And welcome back, everyone. It's now that time for Generic Video Game Podcast number 10 coming at you. And it's a very special, sizzling, scorching hot episode. As myself, Anthony, joined alongside by none other than Shidoshi, we'll do our best to recap the most prominent and memorable events from E3 2015. This is where, like, one of my joys in life is being a pain in the ass for Anthony. And um, we're not even, what, we're like 36 seconds in the podcast, <laughs> and I'm already going to be a pain in the ass. I think that's the only reason you do the show. That, that... <laughs> I, I was so excited anytime I was invited to Double Plus Good Games podcast. <laughs> so I knew I got to torment you when I was on there. Um, so I don't know about this whole Shidoshi thing anymore. Like, I don't. Oh, you, you don't like the ring to it? You, you think it's overstated? It's welcome since uh, around 1990. No, what, no, six? no, 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 no. Oh. No, the first time I used Shidoshi was, I think, 1989. Wow. So do you want to know, do you want to know, have, have I ever told you this Shidoshi story? This, maybe this was on warning, but I'm speculating. I don't know. My guess is that's got to date back to a BBS uh, style service. Yeah. So, and, and I'm sure at least a few of our listeners will be able to relate to this. Um, I went through, I think what they call the weeaboo phase at a certain point where I was in love with Japan and all things Japanese. And so I actually had this little pocket Japanese dictionary and, Oh God, I was like so annoying with it. Like I would be like, you know, uh, it's not love. It's I, you know, and things like that. Like in, and so I was like obsessed with like Japanese words and one of my one of my traumas growing up is I never had a nickname. I mean, a nickname I liked. Like I had a lot of obviously like horrible nicknames from people, but you know, like I knew a lot of kids who had nicknames. Um, <laughs> and my, do you watch Do you watch Seinfeld at all? I, I'm probably asked you before, but do you watch Seinfeld? Um, I, I'm familiar with the show. I've seen a couple episodes, but I, I, I was it was never my cup of tea back in the day. My very, my very first example of like, I'm sitting here trying to think of a kid's nickname, and all I can think of is T Bone from the, from the <laughs> George Costanza show. So a lot of kids like growing up had nicknames, and I never had a nickname, and that was like very traumatic to me. So when it came time for me to join uh, my first bulletin board. It asked me for my nickname, and I was like paralyzed with fear because I didn't have a nickname and I didn't know what to call myself. Uh, so yeah, Shidoshi was an, a name that was one of many Japanese things that I, you know, words and terms and stuff that I had been obsessed with. So I said I really want to. I want to say it was like like nineteen nine or nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty nine. That's crazy. That I that I started so. God, has it almost been like almost like thirty years at this About point? About twenty-seven years. So what's what's this epiphany? What's going on after twenty-seven years? Uh, you, f- what's what's? It's up? just like I, you know, I mean, with everything like all my crazy real life personal stuff going on, oh. um, it's just like I feel like there's so much, you know, and that this is going to be really dumb to a lot of people, but maybe some people will understand it. You know, if if you've been on the internet or anywhere. Uh, for that long is there's like so much 
connected with that name for me now. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, for someone like you, like I, I think typically you you go by your real name, right? Uh yes, yes. I mean, you have like twenty four bit AG, A A. Yeah, but no, I, I go by Anthony. For people that knew me back in the day, and I was never really big on this. At one point in school, I was actually called by my last name more than my first name. But me personally, I like to go by Anthony, and I don't like Tony. Yeah, but you were you were still you were a real name person, you know. There were some other things that people would call me, but it I mean it was it was all high school style uh, type stuff and it was you know would be stupid by today's right. standards. Um you know and then I you know a person like Nick, you know, he he was Nick Rocks, but that still had half of his real name, right? You know, he right. still had the Nick in there. You know, you have some like Casey who was Takui, but he also went by Casey a long time. Be like, I think of people just like I mean, you think of some of the um, like the people in the fighting game community, you know, like Daigo or, or was Daigo his real name? Yeah, the Beast Daigo Umehara. Yeah, so okay, no, that, that, that's his real name. But like like PR Balrog or right, you know, Chaco Blanco or, or I Kyle think that's Chris. a very good compa- that's a very good analogy because when I think when I refer to you as Shidoshi, it has to me it immediately strikes the memory of I kind of think of a character and, and I mean that in a uh, a, a positive way mm-hmm. I think of a character slash game fan slash that era you know when that name became quote something when it when it you know but uh, it still does mean something but like the origin right. now I know you just said it was around nearly a decade yeah, prior I mean, yeah. to that, but for the ma- more mainstream, sure. and so that's that's, you know. But I mean, it was funny because even in, even, you know, like not long after I started using that, I kind of realized that like half the people in my life that I knew, like only knew me by Shidoshi, you know, and because I really never ever wanted to use my real name, so, you know, it's it's been like a really weird thing for me, like actually sitting here and being like, oh my god, do I. Do I, you know, retire that name or do I still keep it? Do I, because it's, it's got like, I said, it's a name and I know, and I'm not like saying I'm a big celebrity or anything, but just on a personal level for me, it has like just so much history behind it and so much, you know, meaning because of all the things I've done with that name. Like, like you're saying, you know, I got my start in this industry through Game Fan. Well, only before that, um, in America and stuff, but, uh, my my real kickoff was Game Fan, and that was I was Shidoshi in that. I've done almost every project since then on on any level where I didn't have to use my real name. I used Shidoshi. All my podcasting was under that name and stuff like that. So it's been a right. it's been a really weird like recent situation for me, kind of being like, do I do I get rid of Shidoshi and and because it just like it does have so much of that good history for me thinking back but it also means so much and what you just said interestingly enough kind of hit home to why I've been pondering not using it anymore is because when people hear that name they do think of oh the person that was in game fan or the person that was in play how how about this Uh, Dwayne Johnson still gets (laughs) referred to as the rock Yeah, no, and I'm not saying I'm, it's, I'm it, yeah. no, I know, and I, I'm not making light of or making a joke of this. Like that's kind of similar. Like there's a character or his, or his origins yeah. of what uh, you know when he rose to prominence, and then 
you know, he, he has a Hollywood career now, and he likes he does his best to go by Dwayne Johnson, but there's always going to be the, uh, yeah, a he, legion of fans calling him The Rock. Right, and I'm not saying, like, I'm going to, yeah, I'm not going to, like, get super offended by people <laughs> calling me Shidoshi or anything. It's just, like, it's really has been a, a thing of consideration for me lately is, is you know, and especially, like, and I'm sorry for everybody who's listening because you're like, oh, my God, I want to hear about video games. Um, I think part of the problem that I've kind of come to is that, you know, in in me using this word uh, transitioning things in my life from one side to another, it's it's kind of like I feel like it's almost kind of hard doing that if I keep using Shidoshi because people aren't getting past like who I was. You know, does that make sense? Right. You know, so as soon as they hear that name, they think of okay, th- this person who was here before when all these things have changed and i'm i'm one of the message forums that is nearest and dearest to my heart i recently made made the change from shidoshi to my new kind of nickname uh and people were like really like a little kind of upset you know like you can't change your name because you've been shidoshi for all this time and like since we've since you've existed in our eyes you have been this and this is such a name that we know and so it was weird, but it is kind of like, you know, you kind of need a fresh start sometimes. So that's why I've been thinking is like, I don't even know if I keep using it or not. I'm not sure. May I make a little bit of a joke if you have a bit of thick skin? I never have thick skin, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I hope you come to a conclusion on this matter or decide what you would like to go by 100% by the time Persona 5 comes out and when you probably have to sign that opening contract. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> conversation soon, so we can get this podcast moving already. No. Um, no, no, I, I never, I never ever playing ever... playing playing RPGs with you right now must be. A, it's oh, gotta be a it's, challenge. It's horrible. No, the, the, the reason it's horrible is because I never use my name in RPGs. I, I don't either. Yeah. I, for, wait a minute. Ninety ninety five percent of the time, I don't. Yeah. No. It it drives. Yeah. It drives me crazy. I'm the same. When when people use like their okay, I mean that's that's like so. If you're if you're in a character creator and you're making a character like for an RPG, do you do you make because there really are like kind of two camps to this. There is the do you make a character or do you make yourself? I, I do not make myself. I want to play as something cool. I want an escape from reality. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's any instance and except. I'm assuming in all of the games I've played over the years, there's got to be an exception to my statement, so I don't want to trap myself. But I can tell you more often than not, no, I, I like to create something, you know, more more out there, more you know, cool, so to speak. I, I don't want to play myself. I, I think that'd be very boring. Uh, you know, it, it'd be a snooze fest. Yeah, I'd say I've kind of <clears throat> always been that same way. I mean, there are a few exceptions, like anybody who goes to my Twitter account right now and looks at that kind of header image, you know, that's my Dragon Age Inquisition character. Um, and she has a few similarities, you know, to, to me. And so it's kind of like you're wondering, but, you know, it wasn't a case of I wanted to make me. It was just like that's kind of the character that appealed to me at the time. Uh, but, like, in Mass Effect, for example, when I made my Commander Shepard, like, she was nothing like me. Um, and when I've made other characters over time, 
you know, I never really wanted to make, I don't know, like, I feel weird. Like, I feel really weird about that idea of putting me in the game because I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't cast magic. I don't fly spaceships. You know, like, I don't, I don't get. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the world or doesn't fit. Yeah, it it's, just almost, it's, it's almost like like you know what what if you could watch movies and for example in Star Wars, instead of Luke Skywalker when you're watching it, you have like you in that movie, right? Like to me, like that is the stupidest idea in the world right. because like I'm watching it to like watch a story, um, but for other people, I'm sure that would be like super exciting and they would love to see right. themselves in it. So yeah, yeah. So long story short, yes, I I never call I never call my characters after me. So it actually takes me way longer. And with Persona, yeah. <laughs> Persona drives me nuts because I'm the kind of person who I have to use the canonical name for those characters. Oh right. <laughs> and the problem is Persona Four, like that main character has like two or three official quote unquote names. Wow. Because I think in the anime, I think finally he has like a kind of top canonical one because it was using the anime and stuff like that but then the name in the manga was different and then i think i feel like he had like one other name from somewhere else well let me ask you this and i don't want i want to get the serious part of this out of the way first but i'm gonna we'll kick off our e3 talk ironically with persona here since we're talking about it but before that is there are there any closing comments you want to say on the the shidoshi topic Uh, i think many of our listeners probably know uh, why it's up for discussion, and it has been s- finalized online. Uh, we're just talking more in a uh, in the realm of the recording world, podcasting. Um, you know, so what? What are your final feelings on that? Yeah, I think because um, it's 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 funny, you know, because I I did kind of recently launch a new podcast that I had temporarily stopped just because of E three. Um, and I that was the that was the first podcast I've ever done using my real name, and that was kind of freaky. But I think kind of like now that I've done that, that's the floodgates are open. So, right. Yeah, I, I do kind of I do kind of think I want to move on from Shidoshi on here, um, just see how it goes. I don't know. Like I said, like I'm not I'm not going to be like disturbed or distraught or anything if anybody calls me shidoshi like that's 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 still part of who i am i'm not like erasing my history or anything but um yeah i think we'll move on so okay well with that we can we can do a quick plug then to find out more at radio.morningproject.com obviously the home of the generic video game podcast but you can check out the latest lightning quick entries and installments of 10 minutes of molly uh currently there are two episodes yeah obviously a little bit of a hiatus due to e3 which we'll be getting into this evening so check out 10 minutes of molly uh the latest gvgp dlc pack uh as well as many many other shows which was a lot of fun yeah it was great yeah uh great to have neil on to see what's been going on uh, in the gaming world he always brings a lot of enthusiasm uh a lot of great humor um, it just has a passion for the business in a nutshell. So that's why he's great. He's been around the business for many, many years. He's still in it. And um, he's not afraid to share his opinions and thoughts. Uh, he's able to stand on his own two feet. So great to have him on. Sure, we'll have him on again down the road. Uh, and also check out everything else from the Nichius podcast to classic episodes of Warning. 
Now, with that being said, moving into the present this evening, uh, one of the hottest E3s uh, since its inception in 1995 took place uh, in 2015. Uh, about a week ago, it wrapped up. Uh, Los Angeles, California host to E3 2015. Uh, starting off with a bang with Bethesda on Sunday night. Uh, I believe it was the 14th going into the 15th with Sony, Microsoft, etc., etc. But before that, I said I wanted to start off a little bit of Persona real quick. You know, as much joy shock and craziness of E3 and I did walk away very pleased if I did have one little complaint we did not get a finalized release date for Persona 5 in the West am I correct on that yeah I this was really this was really tough for me going into the show because I was like equally split on if I thought we were going to see Persona 5 and if we weren't going to see Persona 5 because it's it's weird because if we're getting it this year then they've you know I don't, I don't think they're going to do Gamescom for any kind of reveal so they really only have <clears throat> TGS left you know as a logical place to show off more of this game unless they do a total side a total side thing which they could do because you know, like kind a of, special Atlas style direct, a la Nintendo. Yeah, because I mean that's what they did. That's what they did. Was it was at this point? Was it was it last year? Right when they kind of did the big super reveal of, of Persona Five, and that oh, was, I forgot. Oh, that's right. That yeah, is true. And that was a total just just Persona event. So it's it's kind of a situation where you're starting to get a little bit worried because you're like, why are we not seeing more of this? Right. But in a weird way, you just mentioned Bethesda's press conference, which seemed completely strange for them to have a press conference because they never had one before. But they used that to reveal this gigantic new Fallout 4 that's coming out six months after they show it off. So maybe Atlas is going to do the same kind of thing where they're just not going to really, really get more you know, deeper into it until we're pretty close to it coming out I, I feel in my opinion the industry is it's kind of interesting right now in that it works both ways in the long and the short haul and I'll explain certain games like your Call of Duties your Final Fantasies I feel like for marketing reasons they, they like to get that ball rolling yeah. excuse me a year or two in advance to get to, to keep that name in your mind to keep it to, to be thinking about it and to see it, uh, you know, to, to, to keep it alive in your thoughts. With that being said, uh, unlike yesteryear, I feel like years ago, and maybe I'm making this up, you'd get videos, you'd get screenshots in magazines way in advance to, or talking about certain gameplay systems or what to expect, and we still get a little bit of that. But I feel that they don't take the, you know, uncover everything until a mere days before it could be even days before a game hits and I feel that's because of the internet in terms of whether it be people stealing ideas or just stuff traveling so fast I think timing is very important in terms of what they show and when because it's so easy right now with today's technology just to implement ideas or snatch it because here's the deal once it's out in the open it's out Mm mm-hmm you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, th- I think that's a little bit of it. 
but and it's funny too because I it's it's like we're at these polar opposites now because you have games like Batman Arkham Knight which I don't know how much you saw of it but given that I work for a game media site I totally did and there was at least one new Batman trailer a week for like the last three months at times like multiple trailers a week so it was just like never ending they every little piece they could break out into a video they did to get that next step of promotion to get you know to keep that thing fresh on everybody's minds every single week and it just like drove me crazy because i felt like there was just so much overload on it but then you have the total opposite of like a persona or a fallout you know or nintendo's games where they barely show anything until they're really ready to be in that home stretch and right I wonder if part of it was just the fact that it took us so long to get to where we're finally ready to receive Persona 5. That they were like, you know, maybe it's best if we just hold everything off till we're getting ready to have it actually come out so that we don't frustrate fans any more than we have. I don't know. I put it, I, it, does, it does worry me because, I mean, as of right now, as of this moment, the... The knowledge we have is that Persona 5 is coming out not only in Japan, but also in North America this year. Right. And, and the only reason why I'm kind of sticking to where I, I kind of feel it has to come out in this year isn't so much because of the PlayStation 4 version, but because it's supposed to be PlayStation 3 as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, look, I can go both ways on this too. With the PlayStation 3, or with the fan base that that title has, excuse me, those people will be ready to pick that title up in 2017 if they had it. Meaning, no matter how old that system gets, they'll be there. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, for more mainstream marketing or what, what have you, shelf space, whatever angle you want to spin it on, I mean, I, I think they got to get it out this year because could they really be marketing a new PS3, like a major title in 2016? Well, I mean, to be fair, remember the little place I worked for called Play, where <laughs> we had a cover for a PS2 game when that system, when, gosh, like the PS3 I think that was December, like, December 09. Yeah, like hadn't the PS3 been out for like at least like three years at that point? Or, no, 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 no. It wasn't December 09 because that's, that's when we died. So it had been December 08, I feel like. Let me see, and I think we've talked about this. Maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy. Why did I want to say 09? Yep, because Okay, no, wait, no, because the game came out in July. Wait, hang on. In America, it hit... No, that's not right. It hit, oh, yes, it hit December 2008. Yes, so I'm right. Oh, was that long ago? Yes. So that came I out was... in December 2008, and let me just get the exact date. The PlayStation 3 was November of 2006. So that was that was just over three years after the PS3 came out. Mm. So if it hits... If it hits this year, then it's only two years after the PS4 came out. Right. So that's, that's not, like, completely crazy, but it is, it is still... You're starting to get into a weird point for games that big. But said it would be weirder if it wasn't a, there wasn't a PS4 version. Nerd question before I forget for the collector in us. Will you do both versions? I think I have to. <laughs> like, 
Persona's the one series where I let my... Because we've, we've talked about this before, like, where I don't buy special editions of anything. Right. But Persona's the one series where I do, and I'm still... I'm sure I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm still pissed off I don't have a Persona 2 um, Innocent Sin special edition. On PlayStation Portable? Yeah. I thought you added that to your collection. No, because the, yeah, the problem is I, I bought it, but then it came to me and the box was dented. So, did you send it back? I sent it back. Of course oh, I did. I didn't know that. I yeah. thought you kept it. Nope. So. Well, maybe if uh, I'm in a nice mood, I'll keep my eyes peeled for you. I didn't know. Honestly, I had no idea you were still in the market for that. Yeah, I so, so if anybody out there, and the thing is, it has to be sealed. That's the thing. It has to be sealed. If anybody out oh, there. Oh, my goodness. Sees a sealed. Ungrateful. My coworker found a sealed one, and I texted him, like, buy it for me. He's like, ha ha, yeah, I know. Time out. The, the only seal on that, on that that I recall was the. Just the heavy duty piece of uh, like no no tape, no no like it had, it had, no I mean it had full shrink wrap and everything. I don't remember mine coming shrink wrapped. Yeah, the one the one I got. And I got and I got a day one. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're right. So it probably had it probably had a, a sticker sealing it, but it has. If, if if it makes you feel better, I'll find one uh, for you, and then I'll have someone wrap it for oh. me in the shrink wrap. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's as long as it has a sticker, it's fine. But it, it has to be a sealed up version because every mm. other person I have. Like I'm, I mean, I'm to the point. Okay, I don't have the first first game, but I have even Persona Two: Eternal Punishment on PS One sealed. So, so what do you do? You have a copy you open and one you keep sealed. I typically do play. I yeah, I either have a copy, uh, a second copy, or I just play a digital version. So, we need to. If they're listening out there, uh, we need to hire the duties of the game chasers to help us out on this. <laughs> So, so yeah, so I wanted to get that Persona tidbit out of the way. I'm still eagerly anticipating that title. I'm, um, uh, I'm still, I'm still not worrying. Let me say that. Especially in this era of when every game gets delayed to the following year. Right. I'm, I'm not worried just yet, but, um... I'm not holding my breath, I guess. So. <laughs> well, where do you want to where do you want to start on this uh, E3 breakdown? You want to jump into Bethesda a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to dissect everything. Maybe yeah. we can discuss a little bit as to what stood out and what we're personally well, looking me, forward let to. Let me ask you real quick because I went into this show thinking that it was going to be okay at best. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we went we knew going in that Sony had next to nothing big for this year's holiday. We kind of already knew what Microsoft was going to have, you know, Tomb Raider and Halo. Um, and a lot of stuff had leaked. So, like, going into the show, like, were you even excited for it? Or, or did were you hopeful? Or <clears throat> um, Didn't know what to expect. I was leaning more towards the negative end of things because a lot of rumors you hear every year around E3. I was was sick of people. Actually, I had a bet with someone. They kept saying Last Guardian was going to be shown or whatever. And I said, look, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I said, I guarantee you what you will see at E3 is Call of Duty Black Ops 3. (laughs) So I said, get used to that in your brain. And I said, and just let it go. So, like, not just Les Guardian, but, you know, 
I had given up on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Look, not to lie, did I ever think we'd see Final Fantasy VII remake one day? Yes. But did I think the time was going to be now before we get into that more later? No. So, like, there were rumors of that again. I that was to me that was all clickbait. And well, then, because I mean, because especially because we had we had reason to not believe that because you know? we heard that rumor twenty times. Well, well, not only that, but just the fact that we already have the the. I didn't know what you call it. The re oh yeah the piece the, the PC port yeah. to yeah totally I, I'm in complete agreement with you as well. I was thinking of that as well, and I'm like, are they really gonna like? You which, know. which we'll get into that later because there's a, a weird right. and then I follow. As a matter of fact, speaking of double plus good games, one of the I dare say, one of the loyal listeners of that show who also is a big fan of GVGP, I think is behind one of the Shenmue related Save Shenmue Twitter pages. I could be wrong in that, but I'm pretty confident. And like that, so that stuff's on my feed every day for years. And no disrespect to the work that they're doing, I'm not dogging that. I love Shenmue. But, like, that's another thing where, like, I'm so sick of seeing that in my feed. Like, they're like, you know, save Shenmue or, you know, it could be, you know, this could be shown or this and that. And I'm just like, you know what? This is such bull. So, aside from all those pipe dreams, my biggest want, I think, from Sony was I wanted to see something more beyond Uncharted 4. Uh, Seriously. And then from Microsoft, I felt... They had nowhere to go really but up. I thought it was time for Microsoft to bring out some bigger guns because of the last couple years. They're about 10 million units behind on sales. And I need to make something very clear when I talk about these numbers, when I talk about install base. I do that more because of the the outlet we have on the podcast, uh, quote, doing our job, even though it's not really a job. So when I bring up financials and numbers, it's not because, look, I don't see a dime of that. It does nothing for me. It doesn't put a roof over my head or put food on my table. At the end of the day, as a gamer, I don't care if a system's got 100000 in install base or $25 million. But we also know that those numbers affect third-party support and where games can potentially go in the future. So that's why it is an important factor. So wrapping it back around to Microsoft being behind over 10 million units, I thought they really had to show up because I thought Sony would take it easy, which I didn't want them to do. Yeah, I was really afraid of that. Microsoft had to bring some guns, and they've been do- they've been they've been righting a lot of their wrongs, as you and I have discussed over the last twelve months. And then N- Nintendo, I figured Nintendo was going to be Nintendo at the very least. I figured they had to show Star Fox, and I'm not just saying this to sound like a know-it-all. I did not expect to see Zelda at all. I knew Zelda wasn't going to be shown. Because mm-hmm. when that thing got bumped 2016 indefinite, I knew that they're going to save that for another day again. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was kind of my take going into it. I just I just didn't want to see, uh, you know, mediocre showing from Sony. Sony. I didn't want to see a presentation all about VR or at least just yet, and I don't want to see anything like that Fable books or whatever it was a couple <laughs> years ago. That was just a buzz. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, "What yep. happened to Wonder Books?" Like, yeah, I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see Move 2.0. I didn't want to see Wonder Books. I didn't want to see you know Yoga XYZ with Connect. 
those are my biggest fears. Or like, or like you know, the the whole powers thing. Like we're making TV shows and <clears throat> stuff like that. I don't know how I forgot that. That's right. Yep. Okay, so Bethesda. I mean, this was a this was a weird one for me, just because I just don't have a lot of interest in a lot of their stuff. And I mean, it was kind of like obvious, like why they were doing it, you know, for Fallout Four. But mm-hmm. um, like, I mean, Doom. I don't. I don't care. I'm sorry. I I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. I, for me, if I was smart. I would cancel all my game reservations in terms of my game playing habits, and I'd only reserve Doom. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Because like the thing about Doom, like for me, what I like, what I like about from what I see in that, it looks like it's retaining that fast pace. It is very fast paced. Yes. It's it's the type of game where I feel like after work or whatever, you can sit down, I can unwind, I don't have to think very much, and if it moves, shoot it. So that game, uh, and to my credit. There's a lot of games that go unfinished in my world, but I will say I even had beaten Doom Three back in the day, which you know wasn't heralded as a top, top Doom title. But uh, yeah, so I have a history with that series, and uh, I'm confident I will go through that game. Yeah, and I, I have nothing against it. It just I just don't right care. Just right. Um, and then oh god, what was their what was their middle game? Didn't that something between that? And follow. I'm not trying to be a butt, but what, right after they showed some other game, and I'm not being an a-hole, but after the visual style of Doom and the action, the next title they showed, was, I can't even remember the name, it was not the right title to show next. I have totally forgotten what they showed. I almost want to say it was more oh, of a oh, online... Dishonored. It was a, Dishonored 2, wasn't it? Oh. I thought it was an MMO style or multiplayer oh. style game, but I could be wrong. God, I feel so bad. I don't remember what the... The last. <laughs> See, that was the problem after showing it after Doom. Bethesda game was because they have. I'm looking at my because I they give away those little figures and I'm looking at my figure collection because in the oh. thing they have Doom, Fallout, and Dishonored. So I don't know if there was another game. Yeah, they they showed a couple. Yeah, there was something else after it. Yeah, because I know they showed Bethesda.net. Like, because they were showing the customization in Doom, like how you can do the map editors and everything. Right. And they showed Bethesda Net. Um, wait, is Battlecry theirs? Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Oh, God. Yeah, Battlecry. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it was. It's the, uh, like, a free-to-play game. Right. Yeah, it. it's actually not, like, not the most horrible thing in the world to play, but it... it really didn't work well in terms of showing it off because it looks super jank right so um so yeah there was that and then Sonner Sonner 2 I never played the first Sonner they're making a remake of it Sonner 2 looks cool I said this with the uh, person I was watching the stream with live and this is a mental block on my end I get so confused with some of these games like I confuse Dishonored with Just Cause and they all blend in together with me (laughs) And then there was uh, Elder Scrolls Online, and then they have that total uh, World of Warcraft trading card game ripoff. Oh, uh, oh Scrolls, yeah. Elder Scrolls Legends. Is that what to capitalize on the Hearthstone market, I'm yeah. assuming? Yeah. Yes. And then there was Fallout, and I think Fallout was the game everybody obviously was waiting for, but they showed it like 
way more than I was expecting. And I've I don't know about you, like I'm I'm be interesting to hear, but I've never ever played a Fallout. And I'm I, in the same camp. And I think this is gonna be my first one because it looks it looks really cool. I have to watch my words. I'm in the same camp as you. I've never played a Fallout firsthand. I've seen a little bit of it played at other people's uh, homes. I have nothing against Fallout at all. This just comes down to the time aspect and what we're already into. Uh, I will give this Fallout a shot. My fear for me is I hope this isn't another Witcher where I try something new and it's not that I dislike it. But this is going to be a huge undertaking. So Yeah. And look, I, I like the I like the art direction on this new one. Um You know what it reminded me a little bit of I was saying to someone else? Do you remember when that XCOM was first shown with that fifties look yep. years ago? Yep. Reminds me a little bit of that, and part of that could just be because of the era itself. Um That makes sense. But yeah, I, I really like the direction of it. It, you know, I don't want to use these general terms like awesome, cool, and fantastic. But you know, it, it looked great. It, another open world style game with tons of choices to make, sandbox esque. But at the same time, it's like how many of these games can gamers? I mean, unless we've got, you know unlimited funds slash no job and playing 24 hours a day I mean I'll be damned if many or any of our listeners were able to see all of Grand Theft Auto 5 yet well it's funny because I'm I'm right now I'm I'm getting back to Dragon Age Inquisition and I just I think got to like the 74 hour mark or something like that um, and I started that game last Christmas so it's taken me that long to get this far and I totally know what you're saying is is I want to play The Witcher as well, The Witcher Three, but I am it's it's uh. so like I have this I have this thing where like I'll sit down and be like I really want to play a game like I have like an hour or two hours right and I want to sit down and play something right and then I end up just playing like an arcade game you know yeah or like I, a, I a do, shooter yes. or something because yes. I'm like you know what I get so almost kind of like stressed out thinking about okay if i start up dragon age i'm gonna have to put an hour even getting any one thing accomplished and that's only going to be one step in a quest or something like that i mean one hour could be talking to a few townspeople yeah. collecting a herb and it's, then doing like half of a fight yeah it's, it's like okay if i start the witcher 3 i'm gonna have to put like at least 50 hours <laughs> into that game and like where am i gonna get 50 hours from and the same with this is like you know, because I think part of it was, you know, with with Fallout, with Witcher and things like that. Like, I never, part of me, like, never felt the previous consoles could really do these kind of games right. And so now we finally have consoles that can really make those worlds open and big and pretty and stuff like that without it just feeling like it's going to break at any moment. So this is this is kind of the generation where I do want to play Fallout, I do want to play Witcher, I do want to play these games I haven't played before, but it is um, just like knowing the commitment you're gonna have to give it. And it's I, unbelievable. Yeah, and when I started Dragon Age, like I never intended to play that much of it, but I just fell in love with it. But 
like I said, I am here six months after I started it, and I'm still not to the end. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, only three-fourths of the way to the game. And for clarification, none of this is a knock on Fallout. We're just no. discussing the realistic aspect of how many of these open world sandbox games can we, you know, give our time to. Yeah. And now, let me, now here's a twist of irony. With all of the arcade games you sometimes go to in a pinch, as do I. The irony in this whole thing is, is I sometimes feel like I can get hooked on some of those arcade games for hours or a combined uh, time of hours, which could have been put into a sandbox yeah. game but i think this goes back to pacing yeah you know what i mean you know what i mean so there's the instant gratification on in some of those arcade style games of progression accomplishment and knowing that you can turn it off at any point without really losing anything and then get back right, right back into it yeah. whereas with these sandbox games you're kind of like well why didn't i put this time into like I'm making this up. I just spent three hours on Geometry Wars. I could have done three hours on Witcher. Right. Well, but the reason is because it's a totally different mindset. In Geometry Wars, you could be going for a score. You're getting that immediate. You're right into the action. We're not worrying about a tutorial. We know what this is all about. And we're gaming now. In something like Fallout or The Witcher, it's like you know you're going to go in there. I might embarrass myself right now. But... You also have to remember all the controls, oh, yeah. all your sub options, yeah. maybe doing your waypoint, which mission do you want to choose? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I going to get stuck on an uh, am I going to get a tutorial on a new card game, a game within the game? I mean, I'm not trying to exaggerate or make this more than what it is, but these are all realistic things. It's a massive undertaking. Yeah, and it's you know, I understand the people who will say, you know, eight an eight-hour game for sixty bucks is ridiculous. But to me, like an eight-hour game sounds like perfect. You know, at this point in my life, like give me like six or eight, six to eight great hours, and I will be happy because I I, I will know that I can probably finish that, and then I can uh, I can see the entire experience. Right, and uh, you know what? I'm going to reference a uh, guest of the GVGP DLC pack to Neil something he. Uh, Something he said years ago around the Dreamcast era that I never forgot in that sometimes people like, – I, I can't even remember what the Dreamcast cost at the time, but they – it was like 150 bucks, whatever deal it was at the time. It was cheap. It was well under 200 bucks. Uh, I think we even had a $99 deal going at one time, and sometimes people would come back and complain about certain things or whatever, and he would go, look, for the 100 bucks, you go to see a movie – you spend like I don't, let's say fifteen bucks on a ticket or whatever. So fifteen, mm-hmm. thirty, sixty, seventy-five. Let's say that's eight movies, nine movies. That's about twenty hours, something like that. Did you get more than twenty hours or thirty hours of time out of your Dreamcast or X game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or use that as an analogy, or cut that in half for a video game. And you could look at it in that way, like, hey, you go to see a movie, and nowadays it could be closer to 20 bucks uh, at some of the ritzy theaters in my area. That's, that's uh, you see three movies or whatever, that's one video game. I mean, God, Witcher will last you 500 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? So th- there's different ways to look at this. But yeah, I mean, getting back to the, the eight-hour thing, that's, that's four movies. So that's what? That's 60 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So yeah, you're getting your money's worth out of a game that's you know if you enjoy it. And and here's the thing, it doesn't come down to the time or the money always. It comes down to the experience. Did you enjoy that eight hours? Was it memorable for you? It could be the greatest game you ever played in your life. I've said this numerous times before on recordings. Some of my favorite games of all time can be completed in under an hour. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, I I love Until the I Die, Pac-Man CE. Yes. And that's a five-minute long game. <laughs> you know, I mean, technically it's not, but, but it right. is. You know, so it's, yeah. It, it's funny because you mentioned Neil, and, you know, he won't talk about Red Dead Redemption. And that's another game I would love to play. But again, I know I have to like commit so much time to it. Well, not to throw him under the bus, and I did add that to my collection finally, uh, like you did. There are other people I know in my inner circle, aside from Neil, and I, and on good word as well. And some of those people still feel Red Dead is still the best sandbox-style game they've ever played. Yeah. Give me a give me a remaster, and I'll play it finally, maybe. <laughs> Well, and getting back to the smarty pants uh, thing, I said if I was smart, you know how I said I cancel all my reserves and just get Doom for next year. If I was smart, the only open world style game I would buy this year is Metal Gear for myself. Hmm, that's another one. That's except yeah. that is in two months. Now that one I will. That one I will play. That one I will go through because I have to go through the Metal Gear games. But that's going to be, I mean, God, I could be talking about that middle of 2016, <laughs> right? Yep. I don't know. You know what? I've got five bucks down on Fallout. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I, I might be, uh, I'm going to have to think about that. If only you'd been the first person that sent them 2,000 bottle caps. <laughs> could have had it for free. Uh <laughs> Microsoft. Microsoft was the next press conference in line on Monday morning. I thought it was in a... Do you want a little bit of my thoughts on that? Or? Sure. Um, it was an improvement. I would give it a C grade, maybe a C plus. Uh, a for effort uh, coming from, from where they were. I'll do it rapid fire. Rare replay 30 games... For thirty bucks, celebrating the thirtieth anniversary, I dare say August fourth this summer, on physical disc, must buy. Rare is one of the most overhyped developers in the world. Like I do, I do not get the rare love at all. Like I loved RC Pro Am, and I have this really weird soft spot for uh, Wizards and War- Wizards and Warriors. Is that what it was? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, because you but, like Fabio? Oh, yeah. He was so dreamy. H- hardcore gamers out there, old school, will get that. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like once they got past the NES era, I just I didn't care. And I never cared about Battletoads at all. So I don't know. Like, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't get the rare love. There's a lot of... Look, for 30 bucks, especially oh, in... Oh, no, there's a, a lot of games. Yeah, so that's the thing. There, Killer Instinct Gold is on there. Jet Force Gemini... Battletoads, Battletoads, excuse me, the arcade version of Battletoads, which never came home uh, legally. Uh, the 
Perfect Dark from 2000, Perfect Dark Zero. Now, look, that's nothing to brag about. But long story short, before I go on and on, for 30 bucks, an opportunity like this, um, uh, that was worth it. I have, I have uh, a friend who had an interview with Rare, and she asked him if Taboo was going to be on there or not. Re- a couple weeks ago? Yeah, at, 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 at E3. Really? And they were shocked that somebody even remembered. Taboo. Yeah, I mean that's very obscure. I can't. I know the name, but I can't picture. That's I like the, the that was like the really weird NES fortune telling game. Wow. Yeah. Totally bizarre release. <laughs> but look, so so Microsoft had that. There's the Gears of War uh, remaster, which looks like there's a lot of work and effort going into it. But you a know, I, I know people love that game, and I'm not gonna like rag on it. I just don't care well i'm gonna go both ways on this with you look i don't love it i enjoyed it for what it was the gears of war remaster for 40 bucks seems like it could be fun i was very underwhelmed by gears 4 now that as a matter of fact i'm more impressed and i know it's because gears 4 is probably in its very infancy Gears, the remaster, I found was much more impressive. And I went and did some homework on it after the show and saw some stuff with the dev team handling the remaster and the side-by-side comparison. For So for Gears fans out there, for whatever, for that aspect, the Gears original remaster is pretty cool. Gears 4 did nothing for me. I, I mean, nothing. Yeah, I, I th- uh, It was very dark. I wasn't really into the... I just... It didn't sh- like there was nothing that I thought Microsoft would have almost been better off starting the conference with Gears Four, and they should have ended with Halo Five. Hmm. And I'm not, look, I'm not trying to sit here and sell everyone like Halo and Gears are the two greatest franchises. You got to go out and buy it now. I'm just being realistic with what was offered. I thought Halo Five, for what it was, from what we were given, was much more impressive than Gears. And then aside from that, the only you uni- uh, and then I look. I'm looking forward to Tomb Raider. That's that's a given. I'm not. Gonna oh, spend I'm much I'm time. really excited for Tomb Raider. So yeah, that's that's a given. So if I'm not spending time on that, it's it's just because that's a foregone conclusion. The only other thing I'll say, I do have an interest in Recore. That looked really neat. Like I mean, we don't know a lot about the game itself. Yeah, but it looked that like something really that was neat. a game. It was colorful. Uh, it, it what did it have? It had uh, KG Inafune. Now look. I don't like using his name too much right now. Uh, it's not a disrespect to Keiji Inafune because I feel like with certain Japanese uh, producers, designers, I feel like their name is getting slapped on certain titles for what they've done in yesteryear, and it's just a name that people connect to due to online articles or certain exposure they've gotten. But I have to be honest with you. The last couple titles that he's had his name attached to have been nothing to brag about. Yeah. But Recore for what it was, and I and ironically we're going to mention your favorite company again, Rare. Aren't there some? Were no, there no, 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 who, no, no, no. Who what? Who was? The, who were the other people? No, Recore is um, Armature, which which has people from Retro who worked on Metroid Prime. Uh, that's what it was. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, so there were some other names thro- attached to it. Thank you for correcting me on that. So visually, I like the way it looked. I thought it looked very fun. It looked like a, a quote video game. It wasn't something dark and dingy. Um, and KG Inafune's name was attached to it for whatever that's worth. And there was um, Beyond Eyes, which was that kind of really neat game about the girl who's blind. 
So as you're walking around, like the world doesn't exist until you're right, right, right next to it and stuff. Like the background was all white, and she's walking around. It's like a watercolored world. Well, I'm so here's the deal. I don't have much to say on that because while the Microsoft press conference was going on, I was sidetracked with some other stuff. So there were certain okay. snippets that I missed. Yeah. There was that. Um, they they did show off the division. Tom Clancy's division. Yes. At this conference, I actually got to play the multiplayer in that, and I'm I'm like a sucker for like post apocalyptic. Uh, we're in the middle of a city, surviving a plague or zombies or whatever kind of game. So I'm actually <laughs> looking forward to that. And it's got a really cool multiplayer twist. Um, the multiplayer mode we played. There were three teams of three people. And basically you're going into this um, infected portion of Manhattan and you're trying to get out as much quote-unquote loot as possible, like supplies and weapons and stuff. And all this stuff has been has been tainted, so you're trying to get it out to get it decontaminated so it can be used. But what you when you play, there are there are like AI bad guys in in the in that area, but each team can decide if they want to be friends or foes with the other team. So, like, everybody can just attack each other and then try to kill each other and see who can get out first with the most loot. Or you can actually work, like, two teams could work together against the third team. Or all three teams could work together to try to help each other. Or you could be working together then at the last minute screw over the other team. So there was a really neat kind of you never know what's going to happen aspect to the multiplayer. So that adds a lot of potential tension and yeah. backstabbing. So yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I am kind of excited for that one. Like I said, because it's thematically, it's like right up my alley. So let me ask you this. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion. Is the division online only? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. And will there be a single play? Well, I guess if it's online only, that answers that question, but will there be a single player campaign effort? I think so, but mm. I only got a chance to play the multiplayer. Okay. So yeah, they weren't showing off too much about it because there's been a lot of talk about potential, um, just development problems with that game. It's, it's taken like a long time, and like the whole that whole like isn't that part of the line of games? What was the one previously? Was it Patriots? Yeah, it was a couple years ago. It came out and it. Uh but it didn't do that hot. No, no, no. The one that where they they scrapped the entire game. Like you were against like the Tea Party or some weird thing like that. Like it was a really <laughs> political kind of game. And um, I would have bought that one. Yeah, <laughs> like like this terrorist group like takes your wife kidnapped or something. I don't know. No. But so I, I've heard there's been some. I was I thought you'd get to terrorize the Tea Party. I'm sorry. Well, no, I think it was, like, tea partiers who had gone, like, super rogue or something. Some really weird concept like that. Um, you know, funny enough, like, I think for me, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't I don't want to say, like, I'm ragging on Xbox too much. But just a lot of the, I mean, they had more, like, actual exclusives for the console than Sony did. But just a lot of the exclusives I just don't care about. So, for, for me, the biggest part of their show was actually the hardware side. Okay. Uh, and I was going to say, well, let me say this. Would you agree with this? I had this conversation with someone else recently, and it's not to knock Xbox. Uh, would you say, because you and I are Xbox One owners, mm-hmm. 
Would you make the argument that they really haven't had anything that unique or flavorful or exciting since Sunset Overdrive in terms of a completely unique IP? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hate that. Yeah, I didn't feel like we saw that, quote, Sunset Overdrive this year. Like, they didn't have any, you know, there was ReCore we could make the argument for, but they didn't, you know, it was nothing. And then the other one that I haven't mentioned that, which which will come out whenever they feel like releasing it, is Scalebound. But we don't know Jack Squat really on right, that title. Yeah, like I guess I just feel like the Xbox is really the I'm gonna shoot hey, people online hey, yeah. console, right? Hey, Halo, right? And especially with the Call of Duty partnership currently with PlayStation, I mean, uh, Xbox really is the Halo Gears system. Yeah, so that's where I guess that kind of they lose me a bit. But yeah, I don't think there's make anything super exciting since Sunset. Yeah, I, I was thinking of that the other day. Yeah, which is a shame. Um, but so not as big as the so next you like so you like the hardware you were saying. Well, so you, like I like it's ca- totally crazy, but their pro controller is actually really neat. Like that is a that is an idea that Nintendo would obviously never, ever, ever do, and I don't know that I would even expect, like, Sony to do. That's a very kind of Microsoft-y kind of decision. It's a very PC, hardcore-style right. move. It's a very Razer, Mad Cats, Fatality, Pro Gamer, MLG-type maneuver cutting into that cake for themselves. Which I really do think they, I think they are doing that because they want to try to secure... Because I think they've seen what's going on with the fighting game community and how much Sony's right. trying to move everything over to PlayStation. So I oh, like bait. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure this was kind of like a hey for you other genres, like keep your games, you know, keep your gaming right. on on the Xbox One, please, kind of thing. But I don't know, like it's just like it's really really neat because it's I I have something kind of similar from from um, I want to say it's Mad Cats. Okay, and just their stuff can be just so iffy in terms of quality. Right, the, so, the tournament sticks kind of turn them around. But tournament sticks, the, the tournament sticks are, are good, o- but I, even, the even years, the tournament right. sticks, like because I used one at um, E three for the the Capcom fighting tournament I was in. But even those tournament sticks, like I don't, I don't like the the buttons and the sticks they have on them. So that's my problem. Like I was looking at tournament stick, and they're like one hundred and fifty bucks. But even then, I would want to replace all the internals. Um. But, like, their controllers are kind of hit and miss. Like, they released... I completely agree with you on that. Controllers I still absolutely do not trust from them. Yeah, because they released that batch of controllers that really looked like the Sega Saturn pads. Oh, yeah, but it's... Yeah, but... And you wanted yeah. so bad for those to be good, yep. but they just weren't. They fooled me once, and that was it. And I don't, I don't know that I've ever truly trusted any third-party controllers. Like, joysticks are a different thing. E... And especially controllers are a different thing, but like in terms of controller controllers, I've almost never trusted third party stuff. I will I will throw a gold star out there for someone for PS2 era, and I didn't believe it until I tried it at a friend's house. I will give credit to the wireless Logitech PS2 hmm. controller. Okay. That was very and I'm like you, like I'm real finicky with that. That was pretty damn good. Okay. That and people out there listening will know because that was at the time still. This is before PS, you know, the PS3 jump where everything went wireless. That Logitech wireless PS2 pad was the pretty real deal. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's that's 
part of the reason why I'm so excited for this controller is just it's coming from Microsoft. It's that first-party build quality. Right. But it has those crazy options. And I I really prefer the the convex joysticks. So the, the, you know, oh, yes, the yes, very top yes, of the joystick, yes. it actually sticks up instead of like going in. So it's like I, I know most people prefer the concave sticks, but I like the convex. So that yeah, actually I've, that is an option with this, which is cool. Mm, I, yeah, I kind of I have to admit I probably like the uh, concave, but yeah, I mean, cause, I, I think cause, it'd cause, be good cause to, to, me, to me. The analogs and the PS3 controller are some of the best things ever. So. Yeah, I yes, I, I here's the here's the deal. I wish the anal- I wish the analogs on PS3 were just a little tighter. No, I but can understand a, that. But as a whole, I still like the PS3 controller. Yeah, yeah. So, that but here's be- the deal. We're leaving one very important thing out. What? We'll leave one very important thing out about that Xbox controller, which I do have interest in. Okay. It's so last week of October. Hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. 150 bones. While we're on the topic of controllers, real quick before I forget, late September, one month prior for PlayStation 4 owners, you will be able to get your hands on the 20th anniversary PlayStation 4. I'm so excited contro- for that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I did throw five bucks down on that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until recently, and so I'm going to have to get one of those. And then uh, for what it's worth, but I will not be getting these 20th anniversary branded gold headsets. Yeah, and I don't know if it's still up for listeners. So this is way outdated info. Amazon, when those first got announced, had the 20th anniversary branded gold headsets up for 60 bucks. Hmm. But I don't know if that's still the case. 20th anniversary controller will run you 64.99. And uh, doesn't that make you pine for the days of controllers when they used to be 20 bucks? I I I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Sixty-five dollars for his twentieth anniversary DualShock Four. Do you remember when That's twenty or thirty? Do you? I remember when controllers were like thirty bucks, and yeah. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how high that was. I mean, if you want to, you know, because I mean, yeah, it used to not be a weird thing for people to have like four controllers for a system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and now if, yeah, it's like it costs get, so much money to get if that. You far. Get, if you get. For Xbox One, uh, oh God, yes, six hundred bucks to have four of those things. That, that, <laughs> that could be for your uh, XBLA Neo Geo tourney. Yeah, yeah, to to relive those expensive days. Um. Okay, but most most far and away the most exciting, and this was an, an announcement that I don't think anybody saw coming. Like of all the things we got spoiled for for the show, like this did not get spoiled. I mean that 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 controller didn't, but what certainly didn't was backward compatibility. Yes, with a big asterisk, but that is that is exciting. Uh, that is exciting. There's a vote right now. I think it's at Xbox.com, and you can place your vote for what the next Xbox backwards compatible titles they want to put up next. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, th- this is what I'm. Ho- there's two things I'm hoping for. I want Lost Odyssey to get on that list. And I want all of my old Xbox Live Arcade digital games. I'm not talking yeah. the big boy games. I want the stuff like Radiant Silvergun, Guardian Heroes, all that weird stuff. I want that playable on Xbox One. Yeah. Because, I mean, part of my problem is, like, my Xbox One collection as of right now, like, I'm looking at it and it's, like, Dodon Pachi, Death Smiles, Azura's Wrath. Oh, yeah, you're talking 360. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, I'm trying to think what that is, but like all these just really weird, like smaller games. Right. All the ones I'm wondering, like, will these ever even come or not? Well, it's very important for me that those uh, the XBLA, the more those unique titles come, and I'm going to say something that's kind of um, kind of backstabby to this announcement. You know, the only reason I'm not even more excited about this announcement is because a lot of my collection on 360. You ready for this? If you just take okay, I own about 30 360 games, a little bit more than that, right? Let's okay. say I own about 30. That's a pretty good chunk, yeah. right? That's more than your average. But with the Master Chief Collection alone on Xbox One, that knocks out a few titles right there. Yeah. And then a lot of the other stuff I own on there has either been HD remastered on PS4 slash Xbox One, everything from your Tomb Raiders uh to I don't have oh you know Gears of War is getting remastered. There's a lot of stuff that once you start chopping those out, there's only a handful of titles that are truly unique that need to come to come over. You know, oh, okay, here's another weird example. One of the titles at the forefront of the backwards compatibility is that shot the Perfect Dark Zero, right? Yeah. Not that anyone wants to play that. I mean, and I'm not really being sarcastic. But just for sake of conversation, that's one of the titles that's coming on the Rare Replay for well, 30 bucks. Well, that's, that's one of the weird things about us. And that's why I think that's part of the reason why I think we got the Rare Replay was because they could add more games through this backward compatibility. Right? Sure. Yeah, Because, sure. I mean, there's... there's um, I'm looking at some of these games. So... Uh, there's Banjo and Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, Viva Pinata. That's Pinata. right, all of those. Banjo, Banjo Tooie. Yep. yep. Uh, Cameo, Perfect Dark Zero. Conquer's on there. So. Viva Pinata so, is on yep. that disc. So there's a number of these games here that were 360 games. So I think part of the reason that we even got this was because, you know, they were working on the backward compatibility and they're like well we can do this anyway so why not make a collection right kind of kill two birds with one stone or spice it up for some fans to lure them in with that pack yep but yeah so as i was saying like i mean like i still want the remake collections and stuff for the big games but that's where i'm like at this point the kind of xbox 360 games i want to transfer over are the smaller stuff or you yeah know, it's like, the real niche stuff yeah like bayonetta but you know I'm like i'm worried like so how is bayonetta going to keep its frame rate and gameplay precise on the Xbox One? Or will it have... Because if a game like that has any issues whatsoever, then it kind of breaks the entire game. Right. So the, you know, yeah, Keep going, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I saw a special on this uh, with the developers, and I guess they created a, an, uh, a system emulation running on Xbox One. Like... The only other way I can put it, it would almost be like if pirates or whatever created. You know how when, like Mame or your the, the the, you know the Turbo Graphics emulators, all that crap. Mm -hmm. It's it's because it thinks it's running on the original hardware. Well, I guess they created that for Xbox One. Which, by the way, all credit to them. That must have been challenging as all sorts of hell because that's only one generation behind and the architecture is so different. But yeah. obviously, not everything is running on it yet, and then they have to wait for certain titles to get approval by the the dev slash publisher or whatever but 
but yeah, it's it's literally. I guess they recreated. It's like a it's it's a three sixty running on Xbox One. So okay, I have a few questions for you here because obviously, what happened right after Microsoft announces this is people also start saying they want Sony to do the same thing on the PS4. And getting PS3 games working on the PS4 is going to be nigh impossible because of how much of an absolute chaotic mess the PS3 is internally. But here are my three questions for you, Anthony. Will PS1 emulation come to the PS4? I'm going to... that's not on their streaming service, correct? Yeah, I'm that, that totally separate from PS. No, but I just but this is going to dictate my answer. That's that's not on the service, correct? As far as I know, the service. Yeah, I don't think it is. So PS One, uh, I'm going to go on a limb. I'll say, let's say yes, because that's probably a lot easier to do, and it's throwing people a bone. I th- I'm trying to think is, is. I don't think it is. I is, think it's is PS Two. Is it only PS Three right now? I think so. Okay, so question two is then: Is PS2 emulation ever coming to the PS4? I'll go on. Uh, no. Okay, interesting. So you said PS1 is yes. Yep. So then here's my third question: Does Sony look bad if they bring PS1 emulation to the PS4? When Microsoft was able to bring 360 emulation to the Xbox One, I'm trying to think of a way to word this without sounding like a fanboy. First off, the backwards the, the backwards compatibility angle from Microsoft was smart for a couple reasons. Because look, it was the nice thing to do; it was the right thing to do. We all know that PlayStation streaming service is way too expensive for what it is, and it's a joke. But as a side note to that, which we've discussed in the past, you people like you and I are not the audience for that. There's a certain audience for that streaming service. I personally would never use that service. It's a kick in the face. It's kind of reminiscent of that old, I'm going way back, didn't the Famicom disk system or the Famicom in Japan have some streaming rental service like that back it's in the a, day? It's a Teleview? Yeah, something called. like that. So it's kind of like that kind of or like maybe even the Sega channel. It's for a certain audience, which is certainly not us. So Microsoft, so that's that's taking a look at your competition and where can you improve. So smart move by Microsoft. But on the flip side of that, you know, first off, it's not out yet. You have to be in on the program or in on the beta, whatever it is, which I have no idea how to get in on that. There are some people listening uh, if they're being... Uh, uh, you know, smarty. There was a loophole someone found in that if someone on your friends list is on the beta and they're on the beta with a game that you own, you can choose that game through the friends list and click and connect to it and then it'll show up in the Xbox Live Store for you to download. Now that was a really roundabout loophole which could have been fixed since then, but for the sake of conversation, it's not out yet. They're saying it's this winter. And simultaneously, you're not getting a full catalog. So not to sound greedy. So here's the deal. If Microsoft at E3 said, hey, backwards compatibility is here. It's ready. And Xbox One owners will be experiencing it tonight free of charge because it's the right thing to do. We're not going to charge you for games you already own. That's a big blow. That's a big blow. But 
it's chippy choppy. It's half ass. It's not ready for another six months. It's a portion of the catalog. And a lot of the shit on there is either shit or stuff that we're going to experience in HD remaster. So back to your original question, does it kind of does it make Sony look bad? Technically, yes, but not as bad as it should. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know because I mean, like, if, I, I think, yeah. I think PS One and PS Two emulation can both can both come to PS Four. Oh. I'm worried if Sony's even going to do it at this point or not. Um, I would hope they would because that offers them a way to continue to sell those digital downloads that they've already built up. But my- you want to get real again? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to retract. Okay, so I just for the sake of this conversation, I went like I went yes, no, no. Okay, but let's remove that from a business standpoint. Sony, a lot of their eggs are in the PlayStation basket right now. And it is very important that the PlayStation brand succeeds because in the last few years, Sony has done a lot of streamlining and restructuring, much of which I agree with because there was a lot of money wasted with the change in technology recently. Everything from their phone division to their cameras, televisions, televisions, they were getting killed on cost from the competition. They were losing money in just about every sector. And then they had to thank their lucky stars that... PlayStation 3 towards the very end started to turn around and PlayStation 4 has been such a huge runaway success. Sony has their digital online, their streaming service and the PlayStation's hot right now. Okay? And they literally switched spots with where 360 was at this point in the generation last time. So back to that because the PlayStation brand is not only is it important but it's more important now than ever because of departments they cut and what they have on their table. Xbox isn't the only thing Microsoft has, but for the game, the, the name of this game, no pun intended, Sony has to do everything right with gamers because that division is so important. And as we saw at E3 this year, they are playing their cards right. So back to the backwards compatibility thing, if Microsoft is throwing that gauntlet down, maybe Sony does need to counteract to appease their fans and make sure that they're at the top of everything in this market because they have so much riding on it so they really have to watch their moves like between you and me okay i said this in private off the air to someone else but now i'm going to do it on recording on generic video game podcast i'm going to get into a little bit more of my business talk real talk here you want my gut feeling on e3 with microsoft sony and nintendo and i hate to make this all about money Okay, what Microsoft quote lost the press conference, right? Uh, uh, is it safe to say? No, I mean, I that's that's uh, from, from 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 a hype from, from, a, from, a, from a, hype a hype point. Absolutely, yes. Okay, Microsoft lost from a hype perspective. In my mind, why has Microsoft lost any press conference? They got the most money. I mean, literally, they have billions of dollars. They're heavily entrenched in software. We do know... I, I don't remember the gentleman's name. I know Bill Gates does more uh, charity. I can't remember the proper term. He does. He do, I know he does a lot more worldly events. Bill Gates is at the point in his life where when someone gets to the point that he's got with his accomplishments and money, and now it's time to give back to the community and the world, and he's doing that. He's on a much different level right now. 
but his pockets are still there and Microsoft isn't poor even though they've had issues with their Windows operating system it's also known to everyone that with Microsoft the modern day team that they really don't have they don't really care much about the Xbox division because it loses money it's a physical medium pretty much still and they want everything to go digital because that's the future whatever that's the future that's the mainstream right so back to my point why Microsoft shouldn't be losing any of these conferences because they have gotten the most money and they have proven in the past original Xbox they had a dedicated team they were serious about it they trend set in terms of popularizing the FPS on console they brought more PC style architecture in and Xbox Live service set the bar for online gaming for everyone else to catch up to and then Xbox 3 they had mistakes with the original Xbox it was a big tank people didn't like the controller there were certain prop there were certain titles that were still exclusive to Sony there was a, there was literally a list and people can probably look it up and find it there was a wish list and it had games like Tekken Final Fantasy Metal Gear and then there was like another one like a side note even knowing that they couldn't do it like one of the few things like even though Bill Gates pretty much had all the money in the world if he could he would buy Nintendo now of that list the only thing he pretty much couldn't come through on was buy Nintendo literally if you look at that list through 360 era they literally knock that list out 360 was the number one excluding the install base of Wii which really doesn't count because their third party was garbage for all intents and purposes 360 dominated most of last gen which brings us back to where we are now how is it that xbox one is losing anything with their pockets sony has had to cut streamline long story short the only reason i feel xbox one didn't have an even better showing is because they probably don't have the same access to funding that they had before now that's not saying that they're poor but what I'm trying to say is if they were if they really wanted to wake up tomorrow and quote kill everybody not literally but kill their competition if they got a bug up their ass and they said you know what we're done taking this shit and like the gloves are off if Sony wants to play that game, announcing stuff two, three years out, and we know that they don't have the pockets we do right now, if they really wanted to, there's no reason why they couldn't do it. Be- because look at all the deals that get cut. Like, I find it interesting that Sony was able to secure the deal that they did for Call of Duty 3. Now, the only reason I think from the heart why Sony is having the success that they are in talks with third-party developers and exclusivity to an extent getting back from what I said earlier in the show their install base they're sitting at about 22 million and the name of the game as you and I have discussed even last generation especially was that budgets are so high and that the reason why there aren't as many exclusives to platforms anymore is because these developers need to get that out in as many potential hands as possible because restricting it to one console restricts their user base so instead of getting 10 million potentially they can increase that to 30 to 40 uh, does that make sense? That diatribe? Well, I think it just comes down to the fact, the matter that you can't buy success. I mean, it's, I think Xbox. I'll clarify. I think Xbox could still do it. I just think whoever in that division at Microsoft, which I don't have names or specific examples, I just think they're funding. It, it's somebody there 
has tightened up the grip a bit on that sector. Okay, the, I mean, I mean, okay, maybe they can't buy success is the wrong thing. You you can't buy quality, and I think that's that's been all, that's always been in Xboxes or Microsofts in terms of Xbox. That's always been their downfall. Is that they often seems like they only know how to try to buy good games versus actually nurturing them and developing them. You know, because I mean? if you if you look at like name me right now, name me the big Xbox franchises you can count on. Well, Halo. Gears of War, which I believe they secured recently because originally that was with Cliffy B and his team or whatever. Microsoft has that. Beyond that, and I know you're sick of hearing this, and it's not the same anymore, and it's garbage, but they still own Rare. There's still a lot of properties there. But there's, there, there, but there's no franchise there. The, the big, here's the deal. The big one is Halo. Well, Halo, Gears of War, Forza. Oh, and Forza. Right? Forza. Right. But like, in all the time they've had consoles... Like, what have they built up beyond that? That's the problem. Like, you can sit here and you can name a, a decent list of franchises and brands that Sony has built up over that time. Like, Microsoft hasn't done that. And they've, for a long time, existed on this idea of we're just going to buy third-party exclusivity or buy third-party support. And now that the Xbox One is in a place where that doesn't make sense... Like, they're losing that. I mean, like, they lost Call of Duty, right? That's going to be huge. And we should clarify. They didn't, they didn't lose, lose beginning. Call of Duty. They're, they're getting, there's, I think, a one month or X amount of delay on the map packs, and which has always been big for Xbox. So right. there's a timed aspect to it. But, the, yeah, they'll be getting COD. But, yeah, but, right. That partnership for it to be at the level it's at is unique, you know. Um, but l- let me turn the tables a little bit. And I know some people will moan and groan. Let's take all the numbers up because I've been talking a lot about numbers in business. So let's let's just from a gamer's point of view, I will argue you that both Microsoft and Sony don't have the depth of character catalog or have nurtured their franchises like Nintendo. Well, no, I mean when you talk about characters, like we, well, we and just in general, even their franchise, like that's why I want to take the numbers out of it. Like there's Halo, and then Sony, to their credit, last gen really rebuilt their first party catalog. But not to sound like an a-hole again, if you look at a lot of those, I mean, I'm going to steal I'm going to steal an analogy that was made from a British publication a couple years ago, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, and, and, and I want to make it clear that this isn't coming from my brain. I'm stealing this, but when I read it, it stuck with me, and this is kind of paraphrasing. You really get to see the difference in the properties and characters... And I don't know if I want to use the word quality or how they stick with you when you look at PlayStation All-Stars versus Smash Brothers. No, I was gonna, that, that's when you brought up character. I was going to say that. Is like, I that's that, a defining that kind of moment when you see. And it's weird because there's a lot of big time. Like when you look at PlayStation All-Stars, all the PlayStation properties, I'm not disrespecting PlayStation and what they built there. But when you look at Smash Brothers and you look at PlayStation All-Stars, it's night and day. No, but yes, I mean, but that is a difference in a you know a company that really focuses on those kind of like like you know generation spanning characters and a company that is more 
about the games themselves and not the characters. I don't. I mean, it's just it's. Different. I know what you're trying to level. say. I, right. It's I'm you know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good ex- uh, counterexample. I can't really think of one. Le- le- okay, so let me let's go back to this. So okay, so I, I came up short on the. I'm being honest. I came up short on the Microsoft end. We know they've been living and dying by third party, their online services, which they've done a great job at. I'm trying to be very fair on this. Sony has some great first party stuff. A lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to. But okay, let me ask you this: Uncharted Four. Do you think that'll move more than three to five million copies? I, I would normally, I would normally give you the one million I think uh, it, number, I but think this is a much could. big, this is a much different, this is a much different ball game with a game like that. We're not talking a million is not the magic number with that you would figure for. No, but I mean, I, I think PlayStation Four owners are waiting for like the really, really big exclusive. So I think, I definitely think it could. But I wanted to, before you started up again, I wanted to say something mm-hmm. um, about the Nintendo. I think there is something unfair about the Nintendo comparison. Because when we're talking about Nintendo, we're talking about a a company who has been building a lot of the exact same franchises since the NES era. That's true. And even before, you know. I'm not going to argue that. So, I mean, to be fair, like, every generation, how many new, actually new franchises does Nintendo produce? You know, like, for the Wii U, I mean, their big step has been Splatoon, which... I absolutely love, but that's one of the few actually real new franchises they've started. Versus if you look at Sony, they tend to, every generation, almost do kind of like a really big wiping of the slate and a starting over. I, and let me say this, and I I think I do enough love for Sony on the show, and everybody knows that Sony is my is my pick. But I'm just doing this to be to be fair. And Nintendo has said this in the past, and other third parties as well. And I think we might have discussed this. It's Whether it be a comparison to an automobile or certain brands that people love, you're exactly right. Nintendo does not introduce new IPs very often because it is a big chance, and they, you know it's, it's a big gamble, and they want to do it right. Splatoon is a great example of something that's working out. But when getting back to other stuff like Mario Kart, Super Mario, uh, etc., what Nintendo will do is, while you will get sequel-itis, Nintendo will put new gameplay... They will put new gameplay elements and stuff that hasn't been done or tried before and implement it into a title that people are already familiar with for that familiarity with to connect, lead to sales, and then they experience new gameplay that they may have experienced elsewhere in a new IP. Now, I'm not just sitting here saying it to kiss their butt, like... Would I rather see brand new IPs from the ground up with completely new visuals and new characters? Of course. But at the same time, from that business element, the product they're creating, they what they will sometimes do is you'll get that you'll get that Mario Kart eight per se, but they'll introduce new elements within that true and tried series instead of a whole new gamble on something that isn't very well known yet. Well, no. I mean, and, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying, like, one's better than the other. I'm just, like, they come at things from a very different perspective. So I think I think it's kind of hard to say that Sony doesn't have a lot of super established franchises just because they aren't doing the we're going to keep doing these series over and over and over plans like a Nintendo does. I mean, because if you look at, you know, I, I think Naughty Dog's a perfect example of this. Um, PS1 era... 
what were they? What were they? They were Crash Bandicoot, right? Uh, yes. And so you kind of went to PS2, and you're like, okay, we're we gonna get more Crash. Well, no, they went to Jack and Daxter. And then you get to the PS3, and it's like, okay, are we gonna continue Jack and Daxter? No, they went in a completely different direction, and went to Uncharted. And even though we're getting an Uncharted 4 on the PS4, like this is really the last chapter. So it's either are they going to be focusing more is like is like the last of us going to be their ps4 saga or are they going to come up with something totally mm. new you know um the killzone director i mean the killzone, the killzone developers they're now doing horizon they're being able to do something totally totally different uh insomniac you know they were doing ratchet and client but they also then got to do resistance so i think sony's really good about letting their development teams just be like okay we're done with that and we're gonna create something completely new which i like them for that but then you also have nintendo who is more about really building those franchises over the over the years and that's good for them too but then also like the kind of smash brothers thing like those are all nintendo characters right but sony doesn't really have a sony character because you have so many different development studios making these kind of things. Right. That when you put, you know, Parappa the Rapper mm. against uh, Kratos, <laughs> like, they just don't fit together because they're totally different things from totally different developers in totally different right. directions. So. <clears throat> yeah, so I, yeah, so I don't, but the original, you know, the original piece that led to this was, you know, the, just having me list the Microsoft, you know, franchises and stuff and it's true it's it's yeah i mean yeah i mean like if if for anybody who wants to say oh my god you know playstation all-stars was showed how ridiculous their character roster is um tell me who would be in a microsoft all-stars fighting game (laughs) you know i mean the cop-out would be they'd have to fill it with all old rare mascots because right the only other people would be It'd be Marcus Phoenix against the Master Chief. Because you're you're gonna you're gonna still be using the fingers on your first hand, and you'll already be at Forza <laughs> Car. Okay, so Forza Car. It could be their own uh, rendition of Fighters. I was Megamix. gonna say it's it's not yeah. like it hasn't been done before. <laughs> um, I don't know that we need to spend a big de- made of time on either EA or Ubisoft. Oh, I was really hoping to get into EA. Okay, then EA. Tell me about EA. Um, you know what? It was no. You know what? I was going to say it was dreadful. Let's be fair. There was Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Yep. And then everyone is looking forward to Battlefront. Did I get that right? Yep. Because uh, I can't keep track with all, of all these Star Wars games. Yep, it's Battlefront. But uh, but of all that, I am looking forward to the new Mirror's Edge. But yeah, I mean EA was EA, and and that was it. So there was a, there was also Unravel, though, which is actually really really cute and cool little indie game that I, I played um, recently. It, that's, that's the one that the, the guy came out with the little the little red yarn character that he had made. <laughs> called Yarny. Yes. Wooly World? No. They, oh. like, it's really weird how yarn is this big thing all of a sudden in video games. Oh. Mm. But no, like, I, well, it was, yeah, it was so going. funny because the, the EA press conference was like, shoot, 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 sport, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot totally weird adorable indie game <laughs> shoot 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 sports 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 so you still excited about the female players in fifa i am like that yeah. that's actually like yeah. really neat yeah. uh yeah i was there when that was announced and 
it was weird because they kind of they said like we got a pretty big announcement we're going to tell you in a few minutes and for some weird reason i thought like i wonder if it's gonna be female players but we don't get any uh japanese team which really disappoints me Uh oh um i was still you know what i was i was so i was a huge huge mass effect fan and then i got to play my first Dragon Age with Dragon Age Inquisition, and I'm all, I, then I was kind of like, I wonder if I actually like Dragon Age more than Mass Effect. But seeing that Mass Effect teaser, like, I am so ready for that game. I'm very guilty. You ready for this? I didn't even see it. Yeah, it was the very, very first thing on the on the show, so it was easy to miss. Wow. So there's a new uh, current generation Mass Effect coming. Yeah, there, it's going to be Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's going to be kind of a a fresh start. It's not like a reboot or anything like that, but it's like you're not going to be Commander Shepard. You're going to be a different character. Wow. So, yeah, those those Bioware RPGs, I'm just like a sucker for them. So. Well, we don't have enough on our plate. Uh, we don't have enough expansive open-world nope. titles at our not at disposal. All. And then, of course, Mirror's Edge, I'm I'm super hyped for. So. Yeah, and there's, there's going to be zero gunplay, I believe. The, she will not use a gun in this one at all. Yes, that's what that's what it sounded like. They say said that she's not gonna have a gun. So, and then um, Need for Speed. Actually, when you play it, it looks visually very impressive. Mm. I don't know. Like I, I miss kind of like the old school Need for Speeds. Like I think about the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit on the PS One. I love that era of those games. So like the right. whole street racing culture kind of thing <clears throat> gets right. lost on me, but. I don't know. It looked really pretty, and you could do a lot of cool car customization <laughs> stuff. So, well, moving on to Ubisoft, you know, I, the reason I get excited for Ubisoft is I always like to see Aisha Tyler. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I just wasn't in the mood, or I was missing too much of it. Of my attention was getting broken up, my momentum. But uh, I did not see this, so I have no idea. What yeah, I, I didn't have much. I, don't, I ain't got much on that either. So, I mean, I know a few of their games. Um, I already mentioned Division. I've played Rainbow Six Siege, and I think it's really awesome. It's my worry about it. It's the same worry I had for Evolve, was how much life does the idea have in it? But when you play, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Let me ask you this: How how many more years do you think they can get away with utilizing Assassin's Creed as an annual update? I I think I, mean, I think making it yearly was a big mistake. I think it's almost a a disservice to their loyal hardcore fans because uh, I mean, what don't you think it would be better like at least on a couple year cycle like give them something yeah. richer and something to look forward to like maybe not make them wait 5 or 7 years, but even 2 to 3 years or do a little bit of a gap and then bring it back and bring that excitement and something completely new but like every year it's like no pun intended but is this madden i I was gonna say like you know a game like call of duty like i almost feel like that's almost in a weird way a sports game and it's pushing it and and, you know to their credit they've got three different teams rotating yeah but that's the kind of game where like you know you know what i mean it should be done different ways but it can literally be like here's a new set of maps and weapons right and then a few new kind of maneuvers and a new setting so I think it's very easy to refresh a game like Call of Duty, but yeah, like Assassin's Creed, it's it's sad <laughs> because I mean, like when Assassin's Creed first came out, that was something that was just so fresh and so different, right? And so new, and it felt kind of exciting. 
and I think they really have just milked that one dry so much, unfortunately. What? Check this out. I'm not even a, an Assassin's Creed fan, and I have two Assassin's Creed games in my collection over the span of the last 12 months because I got them so cheap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, point is, I'm not even like into that, and I've got two of them sitting on my shelf for peanuts. Because they've been pumping them out so fast like candy. Yeah. So I don't know. That that needs a reassessment. I mean, and we kind of missed it mentioning it during the Xbox conference, but that's what I am getting a little bit afraid of when it comes to Dark Souls. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not the expert there. I've shared my, my uh, opinion on Bloodborne, and I still haven't popped in my copy of Dark Souls 2. And we're already talking about Dark Souls 3. Which they will say, at least to their credit, is going to end that trilogy. Wait, did they say that? I thought it was the last one in that. I could have Ooh, sworn. Bro, that I, never, I never heard yeah. that. Yeah. Check it out. Okay. I don't know That's if that means Dark Souls never going to come back, but I want to say that ends that saga or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, uh, hopefully I'm not dead wrong in that. I'm, I'm very con- I'm confident I heard that. I wonder if it'd be something else, be something else souls. Like dragon souls or something like that. <laughs> mm. Decadent souls. I mean, I mean like, Dark Souls 3 is... is. If I were you at this point, I would even just skip skip Dark Souls 2 and just go straight to 3. Cause oh my god. I thought you were going to just tell me to throw in the towel and not worry about it. <laughs> That's what I was hoping I was going to hear. No, because Dark Souls 3 <laughs> is looking really good. And this is looking, oh like the, to me, like the true sequel to the first game. Oh. That that Dark Souls two wasn't. So I would say just skip Dark Souls two and just go straight to three. But three mm. is looking like a game you have to play. Holy moly! So wow, because my twenty sixteen wasn't loaded enough. Now see, Dark Souls, the original Dark Souls, I put in I think a hundred and four hours into. Whew. So that was one of those games where I put all that time and enjoyed every minute of it. A masochist. Um. Oh, there was the the new South Park game, which was a big surprise. That'll have Neil excited. Yeah. Yep. So then, of course, after that was Sony. Let me see where we are on our uh, template here. Have to find Sony. And Sony was crazy because when. You know, I mean, obviously people know by now, but um, as as fans have called it the Holy Trilogy of, or Holy Trinity, either one, of game mm-hmm. announcements at Sony's press conference, when when you start off your press conference uh, re-revealing, like, the Guardian legend, like... Or oh, the Last Guardian? No, I'm sorry, the Last Guardian. I, I, I wish it was I the wish Guardian it was, legend. Oh, God, I wish it was Guardian <laughs> legend. Uh, when Last Guardian, like, you're sitting there like, okay... I have very high expectations now for the next hour right. and a half. Right. Because you showed me that as the very first thing. Right. That was nuts. And I was there live, so it was really crazy to be there and, and with these announcements that happened. Uh, I mean, it was just sh- it was shocking. That one didn't have me yelling, not because I wasn't uh, into it. I was just more like, I can't believe uh, this is happening. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe it because it, because of what we alluded to earlier, the rumors, the speculation, uh, you know, was it scrapped, it still existed, and then even, they even showed in the crowd, Fumito Ueda was there present, uh, they, they technically attached the release date of 2016 to it, so there were a lot of, quote, confirmations on this, uh, it was very surprising to see, and that was only the tip of the iceberg as to what was to come in that conference. So now, do you consider 2016 to be a, the, a hard release year for this game because i feel like at this point I, I feel like at this point sony would not do that would not even say that unless they were a hundred percent sure they could hit it like they might not know yet what exact month but i feel i feel like because of how what other thing this game has gone through and how long it's been like you don't you don't even mention a year unless you know for sure you can hit it so, you know, okay, so you ready for my genius on this? I think it comes down to this. It's alive. Someone's funding it. It's been in limbo for years. It looks like it's going to be back on track, new hardware. It's it's time to get it out the door. So I I think that's it. It's it's time to now they now it's to the point where okay, this thing is really happening. You're sticking with it. Okay, we're not throwing in a towel. Then we got to get it out. But I mean, I think do, do you think there's any possibility this slips to 2017? No. Yeah, I, I can't. I cannot see the point. No, because of all the other stuff on their plate. Like, I, I hate to. I don't even want to say these words because if it's something, okay. From an artistic perspective, from my gamer side, from the non-business angle, if I didn't know anything about companies or corporations or the money that goes into these projects from a gamer's perspective if it had to get pushed into 2017 to fine tune it and put out the masterpiece that we're hoping for and that probably will be sure it could that is the type of game that should take as long as need be to make sure that that vision comes out as close to what they had hoped for especially with the technology that they have at their hands so i I, I just think though i think i think they they have to be at a point where they know for certain they can get it done next year. I agree. It comes. It comes down to the almighty dollar again. They can't keep, like this. Is it like that's it? It's it's got to come out. Like they have to recoup their costs at some point, and you got to figure for me to. I mean, how much longer can it be lingering on its project and whoever they've? And here's the other thing: from a Sony perspective, outside of just that initial money aspect, there's so many other titles in their library. There's probably still stuff, obviously, that we haven't seen. They've got marketing. They've got different stuff slotted for different time frames. This thing's got to come out. Yeah. Um, Street Fighter Five. We got two new characters announced: Birdie and Cammy. Birdie put on some weight. I don't like the new Birdie. Um, I was I. And it's it's interesting because I was somebody who's been wanting Birdie back for a long time, just because I thought that he like I have this love for the Alpha, like the old school Alpha cast. Right. Right. Um. So I really wanted to see Birdie back and Saddam as well, but. Uh yeah, I don't I don't like what they did to him. Well, he can't keep that twenty five year old physique forever. <laughs> I I think it's like I think it's that combined with just how goofy he is now because he never used to be a really goofy character. Yeah, but didn't he have like a little bird flying out of his hair or something like that? He had like a mohawk. Did he? Have yeah, a yeah. There was some. He, he, Are you, he wait, wait, some... wait, wait, wait. 
Wait, no, 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 don't say it. I know what you're no, you that's thinking. Not what I, duck King no, here? Is that, no, what you're, no, what, is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Are you no. thinking Duck King? <laughs> oh, there was some sort of quirky animation with Birdie, and there was there was something. There was there was where it. like he he would brush. There was his, the one where he combed his hair, he and, combed, it, like, and like sometimes it would like yeah fall down. Yes. Uh, let me say this on Street Fighter Five. I don't know if it's mind over matter, but I feel like the visuals have gotten better with the artistic direction. It definitely has. It, it has, the, from like the first reveal to what it is, looks like now, they've definitely stepped up the video. I, I thought I was going crazy because I think originally a lot of people were like, wow, that looks very close to 4 with improved yeah. animation. This one is starting to take on more of a style and life of its own. Yeah. So I do like that. And I was in a Street Fighter Five tournament at E3 that was live streamed on Twitch, so... I had a note to watch it, and I'm very guilty. I got so slammed that day. This sounds like the lamest excuse. I did not get to see it, and I was legitimately pissed. Well, the the YouTube is up, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so how'd you do, and what was the experience like, and what and what? So happened? okay, so I was in I was in last year. They did last year was the first of these, and they did basically like a an editor's elimination exhibition. They called it the E3. So this was like people from from various uh, game magazines and websites and stuff, and so my thought was, okay, this is going to be a totally casual little tournament, you know, of people who aren't really super good, just want to have go there and have fun and stuff. Right. So I went there, and I was, <laughs> I was the very first match of the entire tournament. Wow. And the random placement put me up against the old EGM editor-in-chief, Dan Shu. Wow, and th- that is crazy. Yes. And he played Zangief, and I am terrible against Zangief. And I went out in the very first match of the first round of the tournament last year. So I was really nervous coming in this year, but the thing I was thinking was, okay, this is Street Fighter Five. And nobody has really had a lot of time. Right. So you're hoping the gamble is that there isn't that much uh, separating. Yeah. So I was not the first round. I mean, not the first match again. But uh, I had my first match and I killed the guy. Like, there's no other way to say it. (laughs) Like, I I swept both both, um, uh, sets. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, I I wonder if I can actually maybe do this. But then (laughs) um, there was a guy named Nacho. And... He is an editor, but he seems to not be so amateur. Like, he seems like he maybe has been in some other tournaments sometimes before and stuff. So he was doing really, really, really well. And he ended up being my next matchup. So I did go out on that one, but I went out to the person who would end up going and winning the entire thing. Wow. Which doesn't make me feel as bad. What? How many people entered? There were, I want to say, like twelve. Also, there. Wow. So this is almost like King of the Ring style One, stuff. Two, this is almost six, like four, five, six, seven, eight. Maybe it was like maybe it was like sixteen or, or like okay. it was, I think it's supposed to have been sixteen. But um, two of the I think top people from last year had buys, and mm. then one of the editors missed uh, coming. So her opponent got a buy as well. So there were a few buys. So I think it started off at sixteen. What did the uh, winner get? They got a custom uh, Street Fighter faceplate for the PS4, 
and then like a little trophy thing. Mm. So it was, it was like it was like just like a fun little kind of tournament for for you know media people. Was anyone from Capcom there or Ono or anyone? Um, Ono wasn't around at that point. He was at E3, but like um, Capcom's PR was. But then they had two announcers. And I think it was, I think, was it, I don't know if, I don't think it was Mike Ross. Maybe it was Mike Ross. Mike Ross and then uh, Combo Fiend. Oh, okay, yeah, So yeah, they actually yeah, announced yeah. it like they would, like a, you know, Evo tournament or something like that. <clears throat> well, that's cool. So it's funny, I like, enjoy- so like, you have to, like, at, at least, it's funny, you have to at least watch the YouTube to listen to them, like, talk about my domination during okay. the first, the first yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> I love those guys, so I'll check it out. I, I still catch Cross Counter every now and then, and and, and then stuff, I so. I guess like so so Twitter, I mean Twitter, uh, the Twitch chat, they were they were a little bit harsh to me in certain ways, but they were the, then also rooting for me, and so when I won, like the you know how to like spam certain things, right? Like they were spamming Molly Whopped. <laughs> As as like the the little saying for my win, so they were like spamming that, I guess. That was their uh, their little terminology. Yeah, <laughs> I missed I missed because people were telling me this, and I then I kind of was in the chat later, and and yeah, some of the stuff they were saying was just like <laughs> they're like rare footage of Molly actually angry and stuff like that, and, and I guess I cracked my neck, and they're like, oh my god, and and it was just, it's so funny, just like this the 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 hilarity of, of the stuff that they talk about but um yeah it was it was, it was a fun time oh good and I, I was happy to not go out in the first round so well congrats yeah that's that's good so you'll be back next year for it i hope Hopefully. i hope so yeah, I hope so. yeah. the problem is everybody will be much better at that point but right. maybe i can be too i think like the problem for me and this is maybe a cheap excuse but um like I'm really sensitive to what controller I'm using, so I'm kind of like really used to my own joysticks, and then like that, you know. So as soon as I'm using somebody else's stick, like I feel like I'm never as in control. Well, I'll say this for myself, and I haven't been in any tournaments or anything like that lately, but I, I still recall playing at arcades within the last ten years. And it's 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 always different. Like I feel like you got to get a rhythm, or unless you do it on a regular basis, there's always nerves and like there's just always the unknown. That's yeah. from playing a, a real opponent. Like, but I feel like like I feel like if you were to play with those people throughout the day or an afternoon, like let's say it was a longer tournament or you were just doing going back and forth, you know, you would certainly improve. And I think a lot of your nerves would clear you know what i mean disappear so you'd have yeah. a different you know what i mean you play differently but yeah that's always uh no so yeah. that going back to evil i don't know i mean those a lot of those people are obviously quote pros but i don't know how they do that the flight getting there you know the unknown and i mean that's just that's you know to their credit they're good because to stay consistently good in the top it's crazy I definitely like it. It was interesting because as soon as I, you know, I went in being totally nervous because, like I said, I was thinking last year you went out very first match, very first round, and as soon as I beat my opponent, the the first round like so so solidly, like that definitely calmed my nerves. Right. You know, because then I'm like, oh my god, I can actually do this, and I I stopped <laughs> freaking out and started just trying to to win. Right. But then like I got into the match against Nacho and like just right off the bat because I was playing Nash and Nash 
has this new move where he can just grab projectiles and and negate them. Really? And just for some reason, like, and I in practice and in playing against other people, I did that perfectly all the time. And for some reason, like the the our first match kicks off. He's throwing a few projectiles with Ryu, and I just mistimed all three of them. Yeah, you, you couldn't do it to save your life. Yeah, and then that, just from there, I got completely thrown off. Mm. So, Well, let me ask you this before we wrap up that conversation. How did the game feel? Um, I'm really excited for Street Fighter V. Like, I was, when I first went into it, I was kind of, um, which I'm sure is the mentality of a lot of people, was thinking, this is almost kind of like just Street Fighter Four upgraded. Right, you know, but it feels really different, like in a lot of small ways. Was there a template for the character select screen, or any of the art or menus, or anything in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was character select screen and um, the versus screens and everything. Mm. And they, I think, have they said it's like sixteen characters, twelve characters? Oh, it's going to be a smaller roster. I think it's going to be a smaller roster, and my hope. And this is this is a, one of the big rumors, and I don't know, I believe it at all. But one of the big rumors is that in the first game, like Ken is not even going to be in it. Wow! That like they're going to really try to push a good mix of characters from all previous games plus new characters. It's almost like they're kind of pulling a Street Fighter three in a way, which which makes me really excited. Cause but I would then love again, you now I, I want to take that half that back because. A lot of the characters they've shown so far have been. We've seen them. You know, Street Fighter Three really turned it upside down. Because yeah, no, no. Street Fighter Three was like almost a complete just yeah, refresh so the, of the entire roster. You know, it would be interesting if the next slew of characters that come in, if they're unique, like new. You know what I mean? Like new. Yeah, like like my hope is, for example, since we have Ryu, we don't have Ken. Since we have Nash, we don't have Guile. You right, know, like that kind of thing. It's filling that spot. Yeah, and there's been a few rumors. Like, I think they said maybe Zangief and Delzim, um, maybe Alex from Street Fighter Three. The the craziest one is there's somebody was saying that we're gonna get both uh, Karin and Armika from Alpha Three, which I, I don't believe getting both of those characters. Armika would be cool. I can't see Karin going in because wouldn't she be at least her movement similar to Cami? Um, I don't know. I know she played, uh, you know what I mean? But yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, if we're splitting hairs. Yeah. Mm. But, so that's like, I mean, because the thing I, like, I really am not a fan of the old school Street Fighter 2 cast. And I think the problem I had with Street Fighter 4, and to some extent Alpha 3, is when you get to the point of, okay, we're it's going to basically end up feeling like a reworking of Street Fighter 2 plus new people. You know, mm. like I don't want that entire Street Fighter Two roster back. Like I don't want them to feel like they have to bring all those characters. Like bring a couple that makes sense and that provide something different, but then really have it be a good balance. You know, have have you know three or four characters from each generation of Street Fighter, and then an equal mix of new people, and just have it you know have it be that. Right. But we'll see. I don't know. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So now what? So it, Sony. So we, I think we have two more uh, big announcements to go. We talked. We talk about Horizon a little bit. Gorilla. No, we haven't. Yeah. Look, I uh, real quick. I thought it looked. I thought it looked really good. Kind of up my alley in terms of it looks really being neat. weird. Yeah. Uh, it's got a female lead. 
Um, well, the funny thing is, I, I make note of that because some people online were kind of like, "Wow, you know, E3 2015, like the strength of the female, uh, the female lead." There were a decent amount. Yeah, so there was a lot. And she's redhead too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, but yeah, a really crazy. Um, you know, the main character has almost like a tribal type influence with the bow that has a lot of different, you know, unique abilities, but then the enemies are like these mechanized dinosaurs, a really odd mix and twist. And what's really Uh, interesting is um, production art leaked for this game like a year ago. Like, a lot lot of leaks you get are like, you know, in the weeks before E3. Right. But this game actually leaked like a year or more ago. Wow. I, I remember some stuff vaguely, like I don't I didn't go back and compare, so that's crazy, so that it matched. Yeah, because it was basically the kind of... The art was for those, like, very dinosaur-looking robots. Wow. So. Well, someone certainly broke NDA. Yeah. But, no, I I think that game looks neat. And, again, that's what I was saying. I kind of appreciate when Sony lets their developers do totally new things. Because I think this, to me, is far more interesting than them doing another kill zone. So. Agreed. I, I... Totally agree. It was time to do something different. Yeah. And then aside from that, uh, real quick, dreams didn't look too bad. It's re- it's really weird. Like I want to see like what this actually. Yeah. Is. So some more unique concepts and unique stuff coming. And then I'm going to steal a term I saw on Twitter to, as we move along in the Sony press conference here, it, then it turned into pretty much fan fiction. It was. I mean, it literally was. This was like a. Fi- it's like. If so, if somebody is okay, t- tell me for real, Anthony. If you had seen the rundown of this event before E three, you would have thought it was fan fiction, right? There's bull, no way this. Could have I been would real. have said bull crap. I would have maybe hung in there after Last Guardian. I'd been like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, you get you get uh, one of these announcements. I believe yeah. you. You get all three. There's like the, there's no total way. total there's crud. No yes. So. I don't know if you want to go right into this, but then the Square did a little piece, Square Enix. Well, yeah, I think, I think yeah, we have to mention the fact that they they perfectly baited this, right? Be- <laughs> because, you know, you, you initially had from the PlayStation experience last December. Right. You had that whole absolute debacle with Final Fantasy VII PC version coming to PS4. W- which we discussed on this show and gave yeah. it, like, troll, troll of the yeah. century. Yes. So then... They start going into, like, the, the Square Final Fantasy stuff. And you're like, wait, they aren't actually leading to a Final Fantasy VII remake, right? Because <laughs> there, there, there was a second where you wanted to believe. And then this really bizarre, like, chibiified Final Fantasy game comes up. Right. And you're just like, okay... This is, you know, I mean, like, like what, what were you thinking at that point? Uh, I don't want to say I was laughing, but I saw that. And then uh, the person viewing it with me said something like made a Nintendo 3DS joke. And <laughs> yeah, then I laughed, right? you know, and. But as soon as the camera panned up from the street and the, I, I want to say when the music hit. No, 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 no. I don't, we're not that far yet, I don't think. Well, I know. That, well, yeah. here's the thing. It's a blur to me because that's yes. when I lost it. Like, I, I, can't, yeah. I couldn't – I didn't believe it. 
No, so yeah, so so they're showing this like kind of like really super cutesy game, and I think like I think it even had like cloud in it, didn't it? Like I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think cloud it, yeah. for the characters. Yeah, and you're just like, oh my god, like Square Enix are just the biggest a holes in the entire <laughs> world because this is twice now that we've thought right. that we're getting Final Fantasy VII remake, and it's not, you know, and um, that that ends, you know. And then Adam Boys uh, is on stage, and he's like, "But there is something else you guys have been wanting." And I don't know if you've seen it, but you have to watch because there's like the Game Travelers TV was doing a live broadcast during during E3. And at this point in the conference, like one of the guys on there is like, "No, Adam, do not do it. Do not do like you know." Because they 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 it felt like okay, they're gonna troll us again, right? Like, is he seriously going to mention the PC version of Final Fantasy VII again? <laughs> it really felt like there's no way this is real. And then it and then it kicks into the video, and you are kind of like, okay, wait, is this, like, a new movie or something? Right. And there's, like, that part of your brain is saying, this is Final Fantasy VII, this is Final Fantasy VII, but... The logical part of your brain is like, there's no way this this is what that is. Yeah, like, what's the catch, the caveat? This yeah. can't be right. But then, like, yeah, the music hits, and then, you know, the kind of the the this one character walks on screen, and it's 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 Barrett's gun arm, and then Cloud walks on, and then it's like you know playable first on PS4, and people just like lost their minds. Well, I kept yelling like I. And I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy or Seven fan, but I've I've talked about my appreciation for it in the past. But I, if, you don't even have to be a Final Fantasy Seven, uh, you know, enthusiast to not to be shocked by this. Like I kept saying, no way. I remember yelling like, no way. Right. I kept saying that over and over, like, no way. I could. I, I must have said it like 20 times. Like I literally couldn't believe it. As a matter of fact, it messed me up for the next few minutes, and then I don't want—I don't want to jump too far ahead. But then, when this other individual came out on stage, I was—I said, "No way!" Well, okay, so it's so it's really funny how it worked because, like, had those two things been put back to back, like people would have been dead, right? Like, See, in my mind, it happened like that, and this isn't joking. Because I had, I still hadn't recovered. Yeah, from Final Fantasy VII and poor, poor Devolver, because De- like so, Devolver <laughs> Digital was kind of like squished in between these two announcements. Did you feel the same way? Like you could, you didn't recoup yet. Um, I or kind people of, around you. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, I guess, just because like I knew I had a Devolver appointment coming up, <laughs> so I kind of paid attention to it. Um. But so yeah, so like this Devolver thing happens, and they're showing off some of their indie stuff, and there's some pretty cool games. But like, I think a lot of people were like you; they were still getting over that shock, right? Right. And, and I was they, calling for a timeout. Yeah. I'm not on Twitter. I said there needs to be an intermission. Yeah, and they were still recuperating, and then of course the next thing happens, and it goes crazy. I saw Yu Suzuki come on stage, and I, I mean, I've said he's one of my all-time favorites. Made some of my favorite games of all time. Space Harrier, uh, Hang On, Virtua Fighter, uh, the list goes on and on. You know, the list goes on and on, including the game we're about to mention. And he came out on stage, um, you know, a legend from Sega in their glory days. 
I hadn't seen him in in video form in many years. And I'm going to use this term again. I've said it a million times, but I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And he came out for the the to explain the Kickstarter campaign for Shenmue Three, and this was just mind-boggling. Well, that was the, that was the interesting part because you know Adam setting up this Kickstarter thing, and I know a few people were like, "Okay, is this for like Bloodstain? Are they going to show off like Bloodstain or something?" You know, and you're kind of wondering like, what big Kickstarter would they be? Like, why would they have a Kickstarter during their conference? Right. And then it goes into the video, and there's just like it's like three notes and and one you know sakura pedal falling, and people knew like what game it was. Oh, as soon yeah, well yeah, I mean, well as soon as I saw him on stage, not to jump the gun, I was I just well no I maybe because he was on stage first though, because the the video was on first, and then he came. Was out. it? Yes. Yeah, my mind is all... My mind. Yes. <laughs> Final you, were, Fan- you were too discombobulated. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII still has me messed yes. up. Yeah, so the the video plays, and it's him, and you're like, oh my god, and then it's like, wait, is this a Shenmue like, remake of the first two or whatever? And then the officially says Shenmue 3, and people are even going nuts even more, um, and all this. And it, it, was, it was really... Weird, and I think maybe part of, thinking about it now. I think maybe part of the reason is because if you're going to go back and have any bitterness as a fan, you know the the PS the PlayStation Two killed the Dreamcast, right? I mean, that, uh, yes, yeah. that's kind of what happened. Is it the PS Two killed the Dreamcast? So it's it's almost a little blasphemous. For one of the Dreamcast's biggest games to now, right to be on its one-time to be on its rival and to be be featured by Sony. So even though I understand like how time moves and changes and goes on and stuff, um, there was still a little bit of fandom in me that was like, "This is not right." But yeah, it was. It was like. At this point, you're just like, I don't understand how this is even a real press conference. Like, how is this reality? And if they've already done these big three announcements, it's like, what are they going to have for the rest of the show? Now, let me ask you this, not to get sidetracked. This is Shenmue 3 related. Now, as we speak for this recording this evening, there are 20 days remaining to support this Kickstarter. It's currently hovering fairly close to $4 million. And uh, before I continue and plug it a little bit more, will you be supporting this Kickstarter? And I don't mean that from like an inner, I don't mean that from a stirring the pot perspective. I just mean this gamer to gamer, like leaving out all the backgrounds, all the nonsense, just just as a gamer. Do you think you're going to you're gonna do the Kickstarter or wait till it hits? I think, like, I mean, the honest truth is at this point, I don't have that deep love for this series that a lot of people do. Right. Like, to me, it was a game that was really crazy when it came out. Like, it's it's almost the same kind of thing as, like, when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, right? And you were just blown away because it felt like a game you'd never seen before and that you'd never knew it could exist before that point. 
But I don't know if I'm sitting here thinking like, oh man, I can't wait to play Shenmue 3. You know, so I did the, I did end up backing Bloodstained. Oh, wow. And I went back and forth on that for a long, long time. And the reason I ended up backing it was, as dogs bark outside, I have this weird feeling that if I want a physical Vita version of the game, that me backing it now might be the best way to do that. For Bloodstained? Yeah. I, I think it did meet its uh, Vita tier. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be on Vita, yeah. but my worry was how easy later would it be to get a physical Vita version Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, that's going to be... Oh, that's right. That's yeah. gonna. That's a good way of looking at it, yeah. actually. So that's why I, I, I backed that. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to back Shenmue. And what's, what's going to be really interesting, I think, is isn't... As far as I know, Bloodstained is, is at this point the most successful video game Kickstarter ever. Yes. So I, I'm wondering, like, is, is Shenmue now going to beat that? It's going to be close. It certainly started off and broke a record in the day, like for the 24-hour it, it, it period. It broke Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> like, Kickstarter, the entire site, was down the moment that game got announced. What did Bloodstained end up at? Was it like four point two million or something? Uh, five point five. Oh, it did get that high. Yeah. Well, right now they're sitting at three seven with three weeks left. What do you think? Yeah, I said I. I mean, because you know the way Kickstarter's usually work is most of their money comes in the first and the last day. Mm. So I, I would expect at least. Well, I don't know because they're they're hoping for ten at this point. I'm thinking five. I'm thinking definitely five. Oh yeah, five, five easily because they're almost at four. Ten's gonna be tough. I mean, I would say at least six or seven. Because I mean, I I think I think Bloodstained pulled in like like a million or or so in like the last day. I think it was a pretty big jump. Hmm. And I'm just looking at all the different tiers here. It's kind of... I, I feel it's a little bit overwhelming. But I think the problem with Shenmue that I'm seeing as of right now that I didn't... that was wholly different for me for Bloodstained is I think Shenmue's um, stretch goals are really boring. Other people have said that. I don't know if I... Other people have said that. And I don't know if boring is the right term. I just feel like it's... It's just like they all sound like stuff that should be in the game anyway. Yeah, uh, th- yeah, that's. I, mean, I don't want to because you know if you look at if you look at Bloodstain, looking at Bloodstain right now, you know, it was like second playable character, right? David Hayter voice acting, right? Local co-op, speedrun mode, a retro mode, you know, uh, a Wii U port, a Vita port, online challenge mode, third playable character, a prequel mini game for PCs and consoles. Like they were all like these things. Or, you know, the, the ability to play as bosses. Like, that was all, like, really crazy stuff that right. made you kept wanting this game to get to the next level so that you had, like, these really new and interesting additions to it. Whereas Shenmue is just literally help us actually make this game, like, help us finish this game. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> like, yeah, I, I, just, I, I, I think I... overall, like, I just think... I just think the Shenmue Kickstarter feels so boring. I mean, I feel like from a gamer's point of view, this has to happen. I'm very excited for it. But I'm... Yeah, I agree. It's... 
you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at right now, like like a skill. Uh, like a, a, I would need to see the scope of what the game. Like, and I know this is impossible. Like, I would need a good idea or like a general map area with some with a key of specifics as to what we're already getting. Like, I need to see a worst case scenario, and then like a midway scenario. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I need a bit. I need a better visual. Like, when you tell me. I'm going to throw in a couple more mini games and a couple more betting games. Well, I need to know what am I getting right now. Yeah, because I mean, I think with Bloodstained, I felt like from the beginning, as soon as it, it at least it met its main goal, like you were getting the full game. Right. And then it was just all this extra stuff that was being added. Whereas, said you, I mean, you look at like this list of current stretch goals. Like, first of all, they had Skill Tree on here. Like, is is Skill Tree something we want? I would think skill tree is bare bones. Like that's that and, should and that, and shouldn't that be in the game in any way? Right. Like I mean, if it's if it's if it's worthwhile enough to be an option to put in the game, a skill tree should really already be in the game. Right. I have to agree with you on that. And then instead, it's like it's like okay, this village gets mini games. This village gets more quests. This village gets a battle event. You know. Uh, then we get a new language, and then you know this next village gets mini games this next village gets betting this next village gets kung fu mastery you know and then like another one so this is why i understand the 8.5 million the chobu area gets kung fu mastery and then at 10.5 million the bailu village gets kung fu mastery like what do those things even mean to me (laughs) i mean am i going out on the limb by saying it would have almost been more exciting if some of these were like ryo gets alternate outfits or classic attire or yeah or like or I, like um like okay um, the game the game gets uh forklift races you know yeah, and i know this probably wouldn't be possible because of the, the, i know there's some things going on with sega and he's got permission or whatever but like i'm making this up like you know maybe he gets a uh, a hang on inspired bike to go around town yeah. something you know something something a little bit quirky or you know that hardcore fans can kind of sink their teeth into or, or, or like, you know like, like like somehow find a way to make an agreement with Sega to license some of those other arcade games being the, you know good point like if we hit this much we can get to an agreement with Sega much easier or get X Y and Z from yeah. them or pays for this yeah yeah so I don't know I don't I'm a little bit at a loss uh, looking at some of that, yeah. So I mean, like, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm for the people who really want this. I'm glad it exists. I'm, I really am. I am glad it already reached its goal. But I mean, that the problem too is like they are insane. Like to make the game they want to make, they need ten million. Okay, well, great. Why, because yeah. I mean, yeah, like when when two millions are goal, like you're not making Shenmue three with two million dollars. Well, and they've made that clear in a Q and A, um, because there are other parties involved funding a chunk of the bill yeah it's, there's so, a question told to like how but, much how but much you're it, still but you're still correct in that if the if the other party's paying x amount of dollars and then they were kind of hoping for this amount up front to get to that point then you should have made the minimum higher still yeah you know what i mean yeah so like i said i mean i'm, I'm glad it exists it just to me it seemed like a really boring Kickstarter. Like, I feel like there's so much more that could have been thought up to put in the game. Or, I mean, to put in, in terms of, like, the Kickstarter itself. Hey, wouldn't it be an unbelievable generic video game podcast if we put up ten grand <laughs> for dinner with uh, Yu Suzuki and recorded that? 
Or we could get his jacket and then we could eat, cut it in half and we should have Would that be cruel to do to our listeners? And by the way, before I continue, I don't – please don't do this. This is, this is just fantasy talk. Would it be wrong of a podcast to say to the listeners, hey, if – if everyone chips in and we gather ten grand, we can make a extra awesome episode and fly overseas for you uh, guys and gals. Um, that would be kind of nuts, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, w- it would be kind of coming together as a community <laughs> to make a, a a Kickstarter pledge, right. right? Yeah. I'm trying to see if they have it. Well, the other one, the one with the jacket, the original Rio jacket, sold out right away. Yeah. Oh. Get this. Well, fans, you don't have to worry because that option is not available anymore. There were three slots for dinner at ten grand, and they're all gone. Can you believe that? I want to. I want to know like who's paying that. I'm dying to know. And then there was the ten grand one for the jacket. Uh, so that's. You know, it's been so- great. The the three slots for dinner. It's like. Yu Suzuki like owes the mafia money or something, and they haven't been able to find him for for ten years. <laughs> so they're like paying for the three ten thousand dollars slots so they can actually get him somewhere. It's insane. But you know, like I said, it. I mean, Last Guardian, Final Fantasy VII remake, Shenmue Three. That that conference should not have existed. Like that's just like that is not a conference. Oh, that is a it, real yeah, thing. It, like, it was. Uh, it, it seemed like bull, and if I, if we hadn't seen it or you hadn't been there that's uh that was too much to take in and then, and then they ended with uh uncharted 4 yeah what did you think on that real quick it looks good um i feel like at this point i'm kind of like expecting more from n- new gen games than i'm getting like i'm wanting like like you kind of said with um gears of war 4 right Gears 4, not to keep bashing that, because I am interested in the remaster once again. Gears 4 did nothing for me. So I, I think, like, not saying Uncharted 4 did nothing, it looks really pretty, but... Yeah, I mean, when there's a spot when they, with all the people on screen yes. and all the stuff, I mean, that was, from a tech perspective, that was crazy. I guess I just expect to be wowed a bit more than I'm being wowed. I don't know why. I did watch a 40-minute gameplay video of Metal Gear Solid 5 recently... That was that was pretty impressive. I'm really worried about that game. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't I after I played I played like an hour and a half of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And There's I, only one, okay. And I just feel like I feel like the open world direction is going to end up being the wrong direction to go in. Okay, so here's 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 my take from it from afar, not having Well, I played Grand Zeroes and beat it, but so I think technologically, visually, options-wise, I think it looks awesome. But getting back to what you're saying, if there was anything that was worrisome, this is the only thing I can predict is your worry. Is it because of the open-world aspect and the open choice of mission? Does it make it too... Uh, does it lose its focus? I think it does. Like I mean, it, it feels so different to me than other Metal Gears. Because this is kind of like... Okay, fly back to Mother Base, do some stuff, manage. Some this people. is like this is closest to Peace Walker, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pick your next mission, fly back out to Afghanistan, do your mission, fly back to Mother Base, manage your stuff, talk to some people, 
pick your next mission. Like it, it, this, that's not what I wanted from Metal Gear. Like I'm used mm. to Metal Gear being like these big kind of like movie like stories. Right. They have like this one path they go down. I just like I'm not I am not convinced at all that open world was the right thing. And not only not, not, I'm sorry, not only just open world, because I think Ground Zeroes worked on a small scale. But I think that when you make the landscape so large that you always run the risk of certain areas just feeling unimportant, you know, and you're just kinda like spending your time running through something, whereas Previously, everything in kind of Metal Gear games was existed there for a reason. Hmm. And then just the whole mission system, like mission systems don't belong in Metal Gear. I don't know. It's it, it's not that kind of game. You know, I don't I don't want to go on fetch quests in Metal in Metal Gear. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm I'm I was very I was really weirdly excited for it coming out of Ground Zeroes because I I just had such a strange relationship with Ground Zeroes. I thought it was dumb and short and too expensive, but I also like, really liked it. And I was excited for 5, but now I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to think of it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Did They gave you the option of choosing uh, Quiet or the dog or... I got to the got point to- where I found the dog, um, but I hadn't found Quiet yet. Did maybe the demo I saw was a little bit different. Or, or look- did you see the demo for online? Is that what you saw? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I, no, I. I, I, I he online. was he was in the chopper, and then in the chopper there were various photographs that change over time. Hmm. Uh, they were explaining, and then the thing that kind of caught me by surprise is you can choose your partner, and it showed like quiet, right? But then I didn't expect. Then there was like the dog, something else. There were different vehicles. Um, yeah. And then it yeah. and then it led into the mission and yeah. it kind of went from there. But yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they're keeping. You got to figure the only thing I can see on the bright side maybe is there's got to be so much under wraps on that, like because the game is so big. So on the bright side, maybe by the off chance is that there's going to be so many surprises. You know what I mean? Yeah. Due to the scope of the game, that you know, in a game that big, even in 40 minutes, I was saying this to someone else as well, is that. In 40 minutes, I felt like I really didn't see that much because you know what I mean. Because there was so much, you know, at one's at one's fingertips or whatever, and you know the game's going to be huge. So it's once again, it's double edged. Like it looked great, and I saw 40 minutes of it, but even in that 40 minutes, it didn't. There was still a lot of unanswered questions and a lot that we haven't seen. Um, what we did see, though, for for both of us being platinum fans. They had two very, very surprising game announcements at, at E3. I'm going to steal a line. I'll tell you specifically. I heard from IGN, and they said they made a joke saying that at this year's E3, that Platinum is just doing everything. Yeah, like it's. It, I mean, they must have. They said they must have just agreed to everything that was thrown their way or whatever, and they, you know, they because they're developing pretty much everything now in the industry. I mean, because when I was thinking about a Platinum game being announced at E3, I naturally thought Rising 2. Of course. The one that I would have wanted is the one we... The one that I did not want at all. Was, <laughs> yes. Well, so that's I got, what I, I would have wanted. wish. I got- <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that aside, I mean, I'm very happy for them as a company because I'm a big fan of their work. 
and they, it seems like they are diversifying. They're doing different things. They're doing some exciting things. The first one that came out was Transformers Devastation. I am so excited for this. What I did not know, and I don't know why I had this in my brain, I thought that was going to be digital only. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does at first seem like that kind of game. It's not. Nope. I didn't, yeah, so uh, that will be a physical release this September for forty nine ninety nine, And I believe that's pretty much on every system from PS4 to Xbox One to even mm-hmm. PS3 and 360, I dare say. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, the cell shading is just gorgeous in this game. Like it, they characters. Did really you see it up close? It. Did you see it in person? Um, I didn't, unfortunately. My coworker did play it, but uh, ver- positive feedback. Yep, yep. He said he's very excited, and especially because they're getting like a, a lot of the old voices back. Oh, so, wow. like the original voice for Optimus Prime, for Megatron, mm. for Grimlock, and other characters. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, for those who are living under a rock, that's based off the Generation One of Transformers. Yep, the only generation you need. A.K.A. the the good yes. version. None of, none, none of you Beast Wars people don't even come talk to me about that nonsense. <laughs> and then, uh, what was their other game? Well, there was a lot. I mean, they, there was that. And then, um, we won't even get to the obscure yet. As kind of to be, well, what I expected from the Nintendo Direct was Star Fox. But what was no No, 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 no. I mean, Platinum-wise. They're working on Star Fox as well. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's uh, the Nintendo... I can't remember the specific team in conjunction with uh, Platinum. Wow. And I, and I dare say the members of Platinum working on that... Correct me if I'm wrong, because Platinum is based out of Osaka. Mm-hmm. And then I think Nintendo has a division in Kyoto. Yeah. So some of the members on the Platinum team have had to relocate or temporarily relocate to Kyoto in working on Star Fox Zero. So yeah, so they're involved in Star Fox hitting the end of this year on Wii U. And then, I don't know if this is what you were alluding to, so okay, so let's break this back down. Transformers Devastation, multi-platform, everybody can experience it. Mm Mm-hmm. Star Fox Zero, exclusive to Wii U. That's on the Nintendo camp. Scalebound, which was not shown again this year, but we all know is an Xbox One exclusive. Yeah. Which leads us to PlayStation 4, and announced this year, very early in development. It's currently titled, I believe, New Project Near. Near sequel by Platinum? What? Published by Square. So now... So this is interesting. Oh, and by the way, Transformers being published by Activision. So Platinum, they are not only involved in a wide array of content, they're dealing with East, West, Activision, Nintendo, Square Enix, Microsoft. They've got their hands in with some pretty big players, and they have a lot on their plate. Yeah, I mean, like... Transformers was surprising to me, right? But not like I this it, this doesn't make sense because like okay, Activision's like we want a new Transformers game, we want it to be fun, we want to be kind of beat 'em up. Let's get Platinum. That makes total sense. Um, but Platinum doing near two, like that just seems really crazy to me. And while you talk here for a few moments, 
I want to see if I can find the official statement from the President Manami. And I mean, uh, you know, Kavya, the maker of the original Nier, they don't exist anymore. So it's not like the craziest thing in the world, but it's just, it's like, first of all, okay, why, why are we getting a Nier 2? Like, not that I don't want it, but that's just, like, why are we getting that? Like, that's a weird game to pull out and want to redo again. And that's a weird choice to have, like, go to someone with, to, like, Platinum to do it, right? I mean, like, you could have had just some, like, little scrub team inside Square Enix do a game like that. But I guess maybe they, maybe they want to really make it into a franchise or something. Well, and I think part of it is, and I'm looking for the correct uh, words here uh, officially in the state. Here we go. So, um, nope, that's old. That's not what I want. Dang it. So while I try to look for the correct statement, I think it's one of those things where they may have seen potential, obviously, square and near. It was kind of a cult classic. Yeah. And it needs some fine-tuning, uh, you know, in the action department and to breathe new life into it and to perfect the original concept. And that's obviously where Platinum comes into play. Um, and it's just bothering me right now that I'm... That's what I get for not being prepared. So, yeah, so I don't know. I, it's, it's diversifying their portfolio. And it's certainly... Um, you know, I dare say the best in the business at combat would be platinum. So, no, I'm I'm strange. I mean, like I I have not gotten this far in the original near as I need to. Um, it's just it feels like a really really weird change because are they going to make it like the original game that kind of like act adventure. RPG kind of experience, or are they going to just make it a totally new, you know, more streamlined and focused kind of game? But I'm really curious now to see because there's a lot of these games like Near, um, another game I haven't played enough of, but I want to go back to like Dragon Guard Three, for example. There's a lot of these like crazy little Japanese games that I love the idea, I love the characters, I love the theme, but just combat sucks so often so having platinum come in and make like awesome combat is exciting to me and i was going to ask you you know your thoughts on on what you'd like to see from them but i know i post on twitter after like this got announced that i would love to see a platinum produced um one chambara because <laughs> i've always loved that character like i know like she's very you know not controversial but um uh, you know, we're very mixed opinions among divisive, I guess I want to say. Um, but I would love to see them do a take on that because I think someone like Platinum could do an amazing job with that character in that kind of world. But at the same right. time, I thought the same thing for Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh, no, no that would be... For Platinum to do yeah. a, like a sequel, a sequel? on Lollipop, oh, that, that would, oh, that would be... Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking because now we've got some interesting. We have some good characters. We have a series that did well financially, and so this would be icing on the cake. So actually, I think that's a perfect. <clears throat> excuse me, Lollipop Chainsaw would be perfect for them because they've got something good to work with, and they can bring that to the next level. Yep. So uh, that that's 
you know what? And it's been a little while since since that. I'm just very irked right now. Anyway, I'm going to give up on finding that quote for now. But yeah, so I don't know. So platinum, I think it's one of those things where, um, well, I can't believe that team, I think, has been around on their own now for about nine years, something like that. And, uh, you know, they've done their original projects last generation, everything from Vanquish to the original Bayonetta to Mad World to Infinite Space, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of, uh, you know, and I don't know if that was, like, obviously everyone at that team has been in the business for many, many years, dating back to Capcom. But I almost wonder if those are the type of things where they can show that they can still do their own IPs. And even though those titles weren't barn burners in terms in terms of sales, even though they should have been from a gameplay perspective and how good they were, now other developers and publishers can take a look at their body of work again, see that they're producing quality, and now taking that and associating it with potentially bigger licenses or different types of projects, expanding their portfolio. Like, these are going to be very important projects to them, I think, as a company, to see if they can handle this workload, if they can continue their success in terms of quality with bigger names attached to it. Yeah. And I, and I would say if they can come through and fire on all fronts, Platinum could be realistically become another Capcom. Like, you know, to get to that next level of recognition. You know what I mean? Like now I see these new endeavors. These are pro- – the weight on their shoulders with these new endeavors is probably very high because now they are working with established companies with deep bank accounts that have a lot of like they could pick any one that they want and now platinum has to prove that they're the right team for those jobs well and that's kind of like i know that's like one of the things that people are worried about um is seeing platinum kind of shift over to being a company that does just more contract work versus really making their own games and their own ideas well that's where you got scalebound now look scalebound is one solo title that's not a plethora or slew of new ips but to their credit they do have a new ip in that mix in scalebound whatever that will turns out to be so they haven't fully given up on that. You know, that's that's not a dead route. But, you know, it's... Uh, I will say this. At least the franchises that they're working with, they are pretty exciting. I can't wait until Platinum's uh, My Little Pony game comes out. See, that that's going to be rough. Yeah. Hey, but hey, but hey, hey, the combat will be amazing. So. <laughs> Do you think they could make an awesome... Hey, you know what? Treasure did a McDonald's game. Yeah, there was no, there was a certain era back then where um, people could take anything and make awesome games out of it. Oh sure, yeah, you know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, like on the Genesis, like, would you ever assume that one of the best platformers in that system would have been, you know, a Mickey Mouse game? So. Oh right, of course, yeah, of course not. And like Aladdin, like that game right. was fantastic. Right. So there was Chip and Dale. I mean, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, it's very interesting. I wish them the best. Uh, I would still love to see Metal Gear Rising 2 and a Bayonetta Devil May Cry crossover. But uh, admittedly, as much as I love those titles. It would be hilarious if Capcom, like, commissioned Platinum to do the next Devil May Cry. 
I think they're open to it because of something, and I don't have it in front of me. I read something online where it was brought up to someone at Capcom. I don't remember who. And I will tell you this. It didn't seem like they were against it. But, you know, I, I couldn't imagine. I'd be stunned if... I would want to see Kamiya handle that. And just judging from his Twitter, and I know that's just a facade. <laughs> that's not really him. You know what I mean? Because we know from a business perspective, he's got to watch his P's and Q's. Yeah. But I'd be stunned if he would if he would take on that project. Whether it be from however things end up with Capcom, I've got no clue. Whatever it is to do their own thing, it would be kind of weird, I would think, for him to work with some of those same people. Unless they literally... The only way I'd see that working is if they sent him a bunch of gra- like files or just sent, gave him an email that said, look, do what you think needs to be done, and then they just left him alone. I, I can't see it working out any other way. Yeah. But I think Capcom would be open to it because, you know, speaking of Capcom, and I'm not—I don't have any interest in this. Whatever happened to that demo they showed last year with deep the, down? Yeah, we don't know. You think that was just a tech demo that'll just get no, lost? No, I mean it was supposed to be a, a game, and then it, it kind of was becoming like uh, free to play. Right. I guess okay. Here, well, here you go. I just found a quote from Ono. Uh, it looks like deep down will just will take just a little longer. He told Four Gamer. It also looks like some people are starting to ask, did the development come to a halt? But it's nothing like that. We're thinking about showing something that looks completely different from what was previously shown, although it might be a while from now. Uh, when looking back at the previous ideas we had for Deep Down, we felt concerns about it not being able to capture an audience as we would have liked, so we decided to give it more time so we could further enhance it. Hmm. So I don't know, like, I don't know if this is a game, another, just the latest game that's in just development hell. Right. Um, that's what I think. And I'm not losing sleep over it. Because, I mean, no. the only thing I remember about it is it was visually very, very impressive. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows if that was the real deal we were looking at or whatever. And, you know, I'd rather, I'd much rather have a Dragon's Dogma 2, but I don't know if we'll be getting that. Because we're, we're getting the online game, which might be the closest to a sequel. Is that on a console or PC? Yeah, uh, no, wait. Boy, it's PC and... Is it is it only PC, maybe? Mm. I'm not sure. My favorite platform. Your favorite platform is PC. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's like anything else major from the show that we really need to... I mean, there were, there were some smaller things. You know, I, I played bunch of smaller games there is some cool stuff still coming for for that but there wasn't a lot of like sony had barely any like vita showing uh nintendo seemed like they wanted to not show off the 3ds why is what well i don't know like it's it's really weird because they're nintendo does this thing now where all their 3ds systems in their booth are strapped to women Oh, you know what? I kind of remember back in the day at my days of E3. They did something like that with the, the girls there. Because, um, yeah, because... When, Nintendo, does. they must be doing the same thing that I remember from 12 years ago. Well, because for a long time with the DS, they would have like just tons of DS systems around. and you'd, Right. It's like all these games. Cause that's where I first saw... 
um, Elite Beat Agents, which was the American version of Oendon. Like, that okay. just happened to be there on a, a, a DS system and, like, other stuff like that. I think Style Savvy was the same way. So um, what is it? They got them walking around? And yeah, then so, so now, to- like, most of their booth is just, like, more open and it has, like, just mostly Wii U's. And then they have, like, these booth, quote-unquote, booth babes walking around and they literally have, like, 3DSs strapped to, to them. Uh, well, let's say this on the Nintendo note. I wanted to get this off my chest earlier. Kind of a prediction and... It doesn't take a genius for this. So my prediction, I think this holiday for Nintendo will be the last, and I know you're going to laugh, don't laugh, the last stacked holiday for Wii U in that, in all fairness, I'm looking forward to Super Mario Maker. I enjoyed what I saw at the Nintendo World Championships, which I watched in its entirety. Um, You've got Yoshi's Woolly World, which is actually out right now globally, which bothers me a little bit, which we won't see till October. And then you've got Star Fox this winter. So th- there's a few big titles. So yeah. they have some stuff. But I think twenty. I think some point in 2016 or Christmas 2016 for them is the that's it for Wii U. That I think Zelda is going to be their swan song. I'm going to go out on a limb. Not only do I think Zelda will be the swan song for that system, I also think they might pull a GameCube slash Wii where that could go on whatever else they've got coming out. But I think Wii U has this year, and then a chunk of 2016, in my opinion, and that's it. I'm actually kind of surprised at this point because I think we might we might not even get an Animal Crossing on it. I mean, I mean, oh, I mean, a proper fest- one. A proper oh, one. right. It's a festi- uh, Animal Crossing festival, but it's more of a board style game taking advantage of amiibo. Yeah. And then there is Happy Home Designer hitting in September on 3DS. Yeah, but I mean, like an actual proper, like I don't think we're gonna get. Right, one. I I don't think so either. I thought that would have been the opportunity to do so. Uh, also, uh, aside from Zelda in 2016, and it has no date. I don't even know if it's been officially announced here. For more for collectability, because I don't really know jack about it. There is the Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem yeah. crossover. Yeah, I but don't. That's real I don't, hardcore. I don't, that's real I hardcore. I do not know what to think about that one. Doesn't that have kind of a J poppy feel? It it does. Like it's a really really bizarre feel, and <clears throat> I just I I I really I mean, we don't have to express how much I love Megami Tensei stuff, um, and I I do really like Fire Emblem, which I didn't get into until Awakening, but I like those two things. I don't want them mixed together <laughs> at all. Like that doesn't interest me in the least. Like that just seems dumb to me. But but I I see that as a very hardcore like that's for the niche audience. Yeah, is that going to come here? Um, I would. Gonna, yes, it's coming yeah. in 2016. Okay, but here's the so let me pose the question to you: Do you think Wii U will have any support beyond third or fourth quarter 2016? Mm. I say flat out, I say no. Because I think. Uh, I think we're going to see a new Nintendo unit, whatever that may be. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say holiday 2016. The problem is... Mm. There is no there is no way they're getting another... This is the last main year, and this is completely all my opinion. I have no inside source. Just from what I see, from what I see on the sales, like, you know, where they're at, there is... 2016 is their last main holiday, and I think there will be support for it through 2016. It's not going to just up and die after this year, but I'm telling you, 
if the Wii U is still their main item in 2017. I can't even envision it. Well, no, here's the problem. And the thing is, like, what you're saying makes perfect sense. And I think... I think you announce the system at next E3. You have that for holiday 2016. That makes the most sense to me. However, however, for some reason, my gut says the new system is spring 2017. I don't know why, but that's what I feel like. Okay, so I, if, uh, if, if I was putting money down to bet right now, okay. I would say spring 2017. So- so that's not incredibly far off from – I don't like hearing the number 2017, but when you look at December to let's say April, let's just throw – that's only a few months. So that's not – but no. in the grand scheme of things, that's not that different. So Because I, I think I, – I think – I mean, I mean it, would, it would wanna... take a lot – I think it would take a lot of nerve – not a lot of nerve, but a lot of hoping and praying. I feel like if – if Zelda is holiday next year, that's what I'm. That's my prediction. Then I think they can get through one more holiday with the Wii U. Like you drop it, I don't. I don't know how much they can drop it down to. Like what is? I mean, I don't even know. Like what? What is a retail unit cost at this point? I think it's still two ninety nine, isn't it? Is it that much? But then you can sometimes find deals and this and that for maybe in the ballpark of two fifty. But I want to say the official price is still three hundred. See, and the problem is, I don't, I don't know if they go to two hundred. I, I don't know if they make any profit off of. I, I'm going to take you back to here. I, I'm, I'm president now. Uh, it's Sega, 1991, but I run Nintendo. Here, you know what I do? Uh, cut it in half, one fifty, and pack in Mario. I, I don't, I don't think one fifty would right? ever, ever work. I, I, I. But let me ask you this. Let, let, let's talk stupid talk because it's not our money. Let me ask you this: this holiday, what if this September? I cut Wii U to 150 and packed in Mario Maker. Let me ask you this: just at that, as, as as stupid talk as that is, do you think that would pose be a considerable force against the Xbox One and PS4 in terms of sales for holiday at 150? No. Even at 150. No, because I mean, it was the it's that's the Dreamcast problem, right? Dreamcast was 99 bucks, but people didn't want it. So you, it could have been as cheap as you wanted to make it. People didn't want the Dreamcast. I, I mean, they were mm. d- they were dumb people, but <laughs> there were people right. who didn't want the Dreamcast because that just that was not, you know. I mean, like other than complete weirdos like me who for some reason has two unopened Wii U games sitting on their shelf but owns no Wii U. Like, how many people at this point are really? looking at buying a Wii U but don't have one yet. Like I cannot I cannot believe that's a big number. Here's the weird thing. I know a few people in my life that have talked like that. And here's the weird thing. You've heard me put the Wii U over for exclusives and for what I have at this point, but I've I've owned it now for over a year and a half. But you know, I usually talk to people out of it. It's not cuz I don't want them to experience it or be happy. It's because I know everyone's not like you and I where they're buying multiple systems. Like, If you're in something for the long haul and you want at least a couple years out of it, I can't sell you a Wii no. U in, in that fashion. No, the, absolutely the, You not. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, now, if you're someone that's got a young kid or someone that – like, if you are a Nintendo character fanatic and you, gotta, and you have to have those properties, then I don't feel bad selling you a Wii U. 
But if you're someone that like is coming out of last generation and you're looking at the PS4, Xbox One, and Wii U for at least the next three to five years, I, I, even though I think the Wii U has better exclusives right now, even though I think you might even have more fun with the Wii U in the immediate time frame. Yep. I can't sell it to you. No. Because I, I, I think the problem is even if you get to like <clears> 150, <throat> right? I think a 150 dollar Wii U is a second or a third console and right it's the alternate it's the alternate because <coughs> nobody's gonna buy that at this point i don't think anybody's gonna buy that um as a main console but the problem is i don't think we're far enough into the generation yet where you have enough people who are now ready for a second or a third console because i think i think right now you have people that either own a ps4 and maybe considering an xbox one or own an Xbox One and maybe considering a PS4, or have neither. I think going into this Christmas, like I think you're still like that's still the majority. You know, for as many sales as they've as they've made, there's still like the majority of people don't have either system. So this Christmas, I think is absolutely going to be an Xbox One or a PS4 for most people. And even even if the Wii U is 150 bucks. Like that's just not what people are looking for. I think you have mm. to get it. You would have to be enough, far enough along into the lifespan of these systems, maybe like you know, under two years down the road, three years down the road, where people are ready for that second console. And by that oh, point, see. there's mm. gonna be no purpose in buying a Wii U. Let me ask you this last note on this topic. Magically, let's say you're at Nintendo. What do you think? What do you think their frame of mind is when they go into the office every day? Like, look, let's Nintendo deals in cash. They've got funds in the bank. That's the one saving grace for them. I dare say they don't deal in debt. So here's the thing: they're not crying themselves to sleep every day. They've got money to work with, but they do have what they're faced with right now is just with their current products out there, and they still have to handle it, you know, like a business. But what do you think their mindset is when they go in every day? Because you figure they got to know like what you and I are talking about. Like, is it just rolling with the punches right now and going with the flow and buying time or biding their time until they're ready to launch? But what do you think their mindset is like? Or do you think there's an inkling of a chance, which I don't believe, that they're still like, hey, maybe we can still get this in people's hands in the next 12 to 18 months, build up a base and stretch it out a bit longer? I'm going to answer this in a weird way. Um, I'm even though nobody is going to listen to this that would have any effect on this person, uh, I have a friend who works for Nintendo uh, in Japan. So this, this person is actually like on the development side of things. And the one current-gen system this person owns is a PS4. They work. They, they work in Nintendo. They don't even own a Nintendo Wii U. That's embarrassing, isn't it? It is. Like if you look, I, if I worked it, uh, let's make up some crap. Let's say Atari came back, or Atari, and let's say Atari came up with some crazy deal, got me under contract for six figures, something like. And it's like I don't care who you are, I'm jumping on board for that money. I mean, I would feel obligated, wouldn't you? buy like, if something crazy happened, wouldn't you buy like an Atari? Like, if they hired you tomorrow magically and they came back from the dead and they get you know they gave you a big signing bonus they want you part of the team they value your input to you know get this brand going again wouldn't you buy one of those systems that's 
like I, mean, I can't. That, I can't. You would, I, you, would, I, you would think so, yes. But the, this, you know, if you're somebody who has then been at the company for a while and has a system come out that does not do anywhere near what the previous system did, then if you're at the point where you're like, eh, I don't need one, you know, that's like, wow, I, mean, I can't believe that. Yeah, so I I don't know. Like I I think it's, it could be a weird situation just because of how popular the Wii the Wii was. But it's not like Nintendo hasn't been in this position before, you know, with like the N sixty four, the GameCube, or anything. I think they're just a company that really focuses on making their fans happy and making the people who do own the system happy. And I think of any company you could be at where the success of your console doesn't bother you. I think it has to be Nintendo, you know, because if, if you're working on a game like Splatoon, you really aren't concerned about the console sales. You know, you're currently concerned about making the, the coolest new Nintendo third person shooter you can make. Do you think part of that is because they can still profit due to their bank? Like they still do enough to profit and be in the black. So it doesn't like, look, I'm sure if they could snap their fingers, they'd want to sell 150 million co- or units of Wii U. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but, I would, you know, what I would compare it to, I would compare it to uh, pre. Um, I don't know if saying pre iMac is right. Absolutely pre iPhone, but let's say maybe pre iMac Apple. You had a company that <clears throat> had dedicated workers that were working on making really awesome products that were then like what five percent or less of the the market right, share. Right. Right. You know, so so the thing, but the thing was, is even with that five, only that five percent, they were still making money at a certain point. Right. There was a certain point where they were almost bankrupt, but, um, you know, they they didn't need to have a majority of the market in order to make money off of what they were doing, and they could make really cool products for the people who who were fans of theirs, and that was enough. Mm. Something with Nintendo, I think that they're in a position where that can be enough because I don't think their game projects cost anywhere near what a Call of Duty or Battlefield. Or That's a good point. You know, I didn't think of that. There, that would be quote less gen cost for the most part, which I'm sure still isn't cheap. But you know, I didn't think of that. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, because like, like, you know, I mean, and globally, they they. Did just announce that a million units of Splatoon have moved, which every time I see that, I think that's ten percent of their base because they've sold about ten million Wii U's globally. So that's kind of impressive that yeah. even with that small fraction of user base or you know install base, they still moved a million of Splatoon in just under a month. Yep, which I'm glad for. I I love oh I yeah love that game yeah, and I'm really glad to see that it's 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 taking off and, and finding a foothold because I know that there were some people really crapping on it before it came out. You know, like, oh, it's just going to be a shooter for kids and who would want this kind of thing? And so I'm, I'm, glad, to, I'm glad to see it, like, catching on. But, I'm going to say something kind of controversial. I, I doesn't mean I mean this. Could it be argued that Nintendo is still one of the only companies or of the big three that still makes, quote, video games? No, I, I would definitely agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, they're. I think they're the most, um, like, reliable and consistent company. Right. And they're getting they're getting a little scary for me because they're starting to get into some DLC territory I don't want them to ever get into. Unfortunately, 
and the whole Mebo thing has me a little worried too. But I I think they're still one of the most you know video gamey companies. Right. But I was gonna say like I know this is blasphemous, but um, I wonder what Splatoon would have done if it was like for the PS4 or the Xbox One. Like like I don't know. I like would there would there have been a market for that game? I you know what if it okay let's. If you could take the same marketing and buzz that Nintendo created for Splatoon on those consoles, uh, it would have been huge. But if you took Splatoon and gave it to them, and they, from scratch they had to market it, that okay, so that, there lies my issue. The gameplay is there, and the game is, is awesome. I thought it was a genius concept. Nintendo has done a masterful job of getting it in people's hands, especially with such a limited base. Now, if you took that same thing and just threw it to Microsoft and Sony, and then they had it, and then they had to get it in people's hands, I don't know. Because I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, Be- like cause it, cause it, it's it becomes like because there's so much of the other dude bro stuff and more yeah. mature or like. I mean, it's sad, but but like the question is like, is Splatoon doing as well as it is? Not because it's a good game, but just because Wii U owners are so starved for new things. No, I, I think I think it's both, I, and I mean that. I, I think it's a really good game, and then the type of consumer that owns that console, and you know, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going to make that excuse that it's out of pure desperation. But I just don't think because I just don't think Sony and Microsoft would have handled it the the same. Getting back to the whole mascot thing, look at how many great titles over the years Sony has had from... Now, I know Jack and Daxter did well, but everything from the Sly Coopers to the Ratchet and Clank sequels to... I mean, Sony has had a lot of stuff, but I don't think those are all gangbusters in terms of sales. Yeah, and I don't think hardly any of them really had also had that kind of lasting appeal. Right. So I don't even, know. even though like, people weirdly keep asking for like a new Crash game... I think those people would regret it if they got it. Hmm. Well, then again, with the experience of Naughty Dog, I guess what they've learned, I don't know. It'd be great. Like, yeah, Crash is like some post-apocalyptic story now, and <laughs> he's an alcoholic or something, and just really like weird and serious and dark all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so we're almost reaching the three-hour mark here, so I just want to see, is there anything else really that we didn't touch upon at E3 that you wanted to mention? Um, I think we've done a pretty good job here. I mean, because there, uh, like, there was like Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, yes. Uh, Just Cause 3. Of course, No Man's Sky is looking awesome. There's the new Deus Ex. Oh, can I, I'm going to say that you brought up No Man's Sky. It looks cool. I do have interest, but I'm going to say either that is still years away, plural, or we don't see it at all. You think so? Yeah, that's my prediction. Just I'm, Ooh. I'm just going on. I'm just going on record saying it, and I have no inside tips, or that's just coming from me. Interesting. Because the, because it's still not 100 percent clear, really, as to what to do, and the scope of that game. Even though I know it comes down to mathematic formulas and the way the game is built, I'm just going to go out on the record and say that's going to be. potential vaporware well when you say about like not knowing what to do in the game I will I will defend it by saying that the creator 
the main the main guy, guy behind it, like one of the main guys behind it. Because um, we actually did a story in this in one of our recent EGM issues. Uh, he specifically didn't want to tell people much about what you do in the game because he wants it to be a surprise. Kind of like a similar thing to like the whole Minecraft. Okay, so I'll I'll say this quote then. Maybe 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 I'm way off base. You ready? Okay. We will see the last guardian first before we see No Man's Sky. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised by that. We will see We will see a gameplay demo of Final Fantasy VII Remake before we see No Man's Sky. Ooh. Now, that's... Now that that's, that's okay, going. so so to clarify, I don't. that doesn't mean we'll have the demo at home to play, but I will say we will... I'm going to go way out on a limb. We'll see a stage presentation mm. live of FF7 Remake before we're playing No Man's Sky at home. Okay, then you know what? Because we didn't really talk about the, the conspiracy <laughs> theory part of Seven. Um, okay. Because last December... Square Enix announced the PC version coming to PS4, of course. Yeah, yes. Uh, and it's coming to iOS as well. There has to be one of two situations then. Either that was a ruse, they knew Remake was coming, and they just wanted to throw people off the scent until E3. Okay. Or, some might say that given the reaction, the negative reaction that came out of that announcement, and potentially Square Enix being stupid enough to think that fans would have been excited by it, and then being shocked at their reactions, that they literally decided to do 7 Remake after that announcement. So which of those situations do you think is real? Because the thing is, if it's the second one, we ain't seen that game oh. for a long time. So, so actually, a fan of uh, Generic Video Game Podcast uh, tweeted me that question. Uh, let me see. if I'll, I'll just do a quick shout-out. It's someone brand new and someone we haven't uh, promoted before. I just... Uh, Neo underscore East Side. Neo yes. East. So thank you for... Uh, yes. Uh, the tweet, and let me see. I won't mince words. Let me see what I said. Uh, I did a I did a twit longer. Okay, before you get in that, because yep. uh, Destructoid Destructoid just had a story up, but the fact that Nomura didn't even know he was directing the final. I saw that today. Like. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, I did see that today. Um, and I apologize here. Just bear with me here. The only reason I'm doing this is because it does tie into... Uh, oh, my word. So ultimately, before I get my exact words here, and I don't know why I'm, I'm not seeing it right away on my feed, is that I think... Well, here, here, here. It, well, while, while you look, I'll just read this real yep. quick. He says, uh, As pre-production went along and I offered my opinions on what I thought should be done, 
Mr. Katase would ask me how the individual elements should be adjusted in fine detail. It was very perplexing. Then one day, as I was checking the internal company presentation video, it said Director Tetsuya Nomura at the end. <laughs> so I called up Mr. Katase and said, it says that I'm the director for some reason. To which he replied, of course it does. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that, maybe that was a pleasant surprise for him. Uh you know, obviously, he's going full force on Kingdom Hearts 3. He was taken off the Final Fantasy 15 project he was working on for many years. So, I don't know. Um, but, I was I was ultimately asked if I thought Sony was trolling. And, I said, the real question is, when exactly will we see Final Fantasy 7 Remake and Shenmue 3? Uh, I was explaining to Neo that uh, I'm with you that I believe Shenmue 3 and FF7 and Last Guardian are real games that will see release eventually someday uh, but I still call oh, actually you know what I'm a complete moron here we go Jesus Christ I was going back is and this, forth is this, is this a surprise that we're suddenly learning here <laughs> here we go I've got the right uh, I've got the right one up okay so it says, the question to me was, Shenmue 3, Last Guardian, Final Fantasy 7. Do I think Sony was trolling, or are these realistic releases versus vaporware? That was the exact question. <clears throat> I said, I don't think Sony was trolling at all. But the real question is, when exactly will we see FF7 Remake and Shenmue 3? Before that, though, let's talk Last Guardian. Actually, this pretty much echoes what I said earlier, so I won't bore listeners again. When I got to Final Fantasy 7, I said... I firmly believe this will happen as well, but when? Final Fantasy XV still doesn't have a solidified release date, but for sake of this tweet, let's say fourth quarter 2016. That puts FF7 at the earliest 2017, and I put parentheses, and we both know that ain't coming out mere months after 15. So I'd say late 2017 or even 2018. That thing is at least two plus years away, I said I may have said this on Twitter before, but I would have thought Square Enix would have watched sales of FF15 first before pulling the trigger on FF7 Remake. I say that due to the engine, seeing how people took to it, etc. On the bright side, Final Fantasy VII already has a quote template in the old game itself, but many other questions remain. And then I bullet pointed, do they leave Barrett's original Ebonics-esque dialogue? Do they offer both original and new translation? Will it all be voice acted? Will Cloud still dress in female clothing with high-end and much more believable visuals than he did in 1997? But I also said at the end of the day, though, I feel all of the aforementioned questions are worth the extra effort in making all the fans happy. By providing all of the options as this could be a huge avenue of money for Square Enix. And I said they only get one shot at this much-wanted remake. I say go for broke and do it all because it will result in the financial result that they want. But then in closing on this response, I said, uh, while I do believe this will all happen, it's not Duke Nukem type stuff, yet with the dates so far away, 
I said, hell, companies like Nintendo could have shown anything for two and three years down the road and got people talking. I said the same with Microsoft or a slew of other companies. I think 2016 is fairly stacked. 2015 is still cluttered with many sequels and remasters, blah, blah, blah. But I said, moreover, Sony still played their cards right. They showed more of their hand, and who can fault them? That's the name of the game, and it got people talking about it. It created a buzz and old-school-style anticipation. I would have done the same thing. I said it's better to do that than have a boring, uneventful, and shitty conference, as I feel many have been for everyone in recent years. But I said the trade-off is we're going to be waiting quite a while. So So my question to you still stands, though. So, okay, so with that background and that answer, I I have always said for years... I knew the day would come with FF7 coming. So maybe that reaction... So here's the deal. Maybe Square wasn't ready to do it right now, but that reaction pushed them over the edge to get it going now. So that's kind of a wishy-washy answer. I always expected Square to remake it. And I think in the back of their head, they were always going to do it. But now they got pushed off the ledge. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the thing, like, I legitimately don't know. Like, I don't know if I believe they actually had this in development um, before that announcement in December. I mean, or maybe, maybe that was a final test. Let's give them benefit of the doubt. Maybe around PlayStation experience. Yeah. Maybe they had it back on the drawing board. And maybe they, you know, maybe they wanted to troll people to see how passionate they were still about seven, or if it would have been a bunch of people going, "Who cares about this anymore?" I still think that's a really, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's not a dangerous chance to take, but it just feels like a weird chance to take if that's the truth. I'll say this: everyone kind of has an extra get out of jail card right now because it's very hard for anyone to look as bad as Konami right now. That's that is true. Yes. So that's the that's but, their saving grace. But what happens? What happens if this game ends up being vaporware? I'm going to stick to my guns on this. I don't think it will. I, we I mean, I mean, will I mean okay. do, do, do you we, think that do you think that so, like someone like Sony would even step in to make sure it gets done? Here's the catch with this. We will see it on PlayStation 4. I'll go I'll say that, but it may be the end of the cycle. And that's a long time because we're going to see FF15, whatever, Kingdom Hearts 3. So do I believe we'll see it? Yeah. I just think it's going to be one of the later projects we see, uh, one of the later releases on PS4. Hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think they're bullcrapping us, and they're certainly going to be reminded about it every day, about that announcement. I, I just think it's at least a couple years off, at least. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, to- I, I said I don't think... I don't think anything in the game's been done yet. Like I, I think in six months they could definitely get that CG trailer done. Right. I don't know that I believe anything on the actual game's been done. Right. Because said part of me does feel like they decided to do this right after the terrible reaction they had in the last December. I don't know though. Mm. I mean, because I mean, if if they if they were already working on this. And that was just one gigantic troll. That is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that a company would have that 
much guts to do something like that. Mm. Well, well, with that, uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to our very special E3 2015 recap here at the Generic Video Game Podcast. As episode 10 is starting to come to a close, don't forget to check out radio.morningproject.com. You can find myself on Twitter at 24BitAJE. Find my one and only co-host on Twitter at Molly Penn. That's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. And I did that off memory this time. Yes. And uh, so I've got that down. So thank you for your support. Uh, Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. We always appreciate your feedback. And you can also Uh, leave us some reviews on iTunes, too. Those are always nice. Okay. I didn't know that. So thank you for that. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as always. And we will be back very soon with some more video game news for your ears to listen to. And have an awesome day and night, everybody.